Okay guys, uh, these eggs have given us a lot of trouble in the past. Uh, does anybody need anything off this guy or can we bypass him? Uh, I think Leroy needs something from this guy. Oh, do he, he needs those devout shoulders? Doesn't, isn't he a paladin? Yeah, but that'll help him heal better. He'll have more mana. Christ. Okay, uh, well what we'll do, I'll run in first, uh, gather up all the eggs so we can kind of just, you know, blast them all down with AoE. Um, I will use Intimidating Shout to kind of scatter them so we don't have to fight a whole bunch of them at once. Uh, when my shout's done, uh, I'll need Anthony to come in and drop his shout too uh, so we can keep them scattered and not to fight too many. Um, when his is done, Bass of course will need to run in and do the same thing. Uh, we're going to need Divine Intervention on our mages uh, so they can uh, AE uh, so we can of course get them down fast because we're bringing all these guys. I mean, we'll be in trouble if we don't take them down quick. Alright, Chums, I'm ready, guys. Let's do this. Leroy Dragons! Oh my god, he just ran in. Oh god. Oh, for. <laughs> Great job, Chums. Leroy, you were just stupid as hell. At least I have chicken. Podcast. My name's Mike, and joining me today again for a special appearance is... It's me, I'm Lachlan, I'm here. This is episode 107, Leroy Jenkins! Because that's what we did. We Leroy Jenkins this shit. Yes, I'm bringing a meme back. I mean, the meme's, what, early 2000s? It's probably it 15 plus years. Yeah, maybe. Um, we both took World Eaters to yes. a tournament recently. Double Angron. With not a lot of practice, as in none. I had played three games. Yeah, we, we didn't like. I played my first game with this list that at that event. <laughs> I hadn't played the list at all. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode, <laughs> and um, uh, I've got a couple of little things to cover before we get into the world of this content. So uh, I want to quickly cover a couple of models that we got sent by Games Workshop. So thank you to them for supplying us with the boarding patrols for Orcs and Tau. Uh, we got uh, the new Snickrot. And we got the new Far Commander Farsight models. Very cool models, yeah. Now, uh, Lachlan uh, painted up Snickrot, and there'll be a photo of him in the show notes. You will also maybe have seen that photo on Warhammer Community, which is super exciting. It is very cool. So this is the second orc of Lachlan's that uh, he's done up, and it's ended up on Community uh, alongside the Goth Rocker back in December. Uh, I believe so, yeah. 2022. Um, done up in the same marble basing and purple. And I think that um, struck their eyes as the sneaky purple colour because that was mentioned in the comments as well, which is it cool. It was. So, um, the Snickrot model was very cool. I actually built it and then handed it to you because I built it the way I wanted to. Um, the ocular goggle thing he's got going on, is it's very cool. It's You never saw the game um, Splinter Cell, did you? Uh, no. So, Splinter Cell was a game PS1 or PS2? And um, the drop-down goggles with all the different ocular lenses was the trademark of the lead character of Splinter Cell. So when the original Snickrot in, I think, 4th edition, because I've got the metal model here, 
um, when he came out, it was that was kind of the tie-in. And um, that's why I always loved it. Um, I will point out, if you've got a metal or a fine cast Snickrock, it's the same model. It, Basically, it, it, it's no, a slightly different pose. But it's almost identical. It's almost a shot for shot remake. <laughs> it's almost. It's nice to have a remake in plastic because plastic's way easier to I mean, work the, with than either of them. But the grapple hook has three hooks now instead of two, <laughs> which makes more sense for it to be a grapple hook. So there's little. And little the mask has been redesigned. And the backpack. There's all the backpack's different. identical. One of the straps is undone on the new one. <laughs> I, I know, revolutionary. Um. He yeah, went. Uh, he went together really easily, and his um, uh, the head. You actually get three heads in the kit. You get a bear head. Why you'd ever use, I don't know. You get the head with the mask down, and then you get the head with the mask up. Um, but you only get one mask, so you have to pick which of the other two heads, which of those two heads you want, and then you glue the mask to the head. Um, but because I wanted to replicate the metal one, I glued it down, which I think works. It, it you can still tell he's an orc because mm. he's green, but well, he's massive as well. I don't think yeah, people realise quite how big though, those orc characters on the 40 more bases are. They're is massive. Bigger than a Gravos marine or a yeah. Terminator, or they're huge. <laughs> those the, orcs slightly yeah. smaller than a possessed marine. The new ones, yeah. Though, I mean, those those orcs in real life would be enormous, like rhinoceroses that got up and walked around on their hind legs. They would be enormous, huge. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about Commander Farsight for a second, though. Oh, yeah, I, I know what you're going to talk about in this one. It's a so. beautiful model. Oh, my God, was it woeful to build. The build, yep, that's... Oh, it was so bad. I heard you talking about it as you were building him, and... If anyone... And I, I know this kit's been delayed a little bit around the world, so if you're hearing this before the kits come out, heed my words. Um, They tell you to build the base last. Don't. Build, build the base, base first. <laughs> It was the only reason I got the legs and the hips to all line up. Um, and I can't explain why I did it at the time. I just wanted to build the cherry trees and, you know, see how the base went cool. together. It's, it's a fun thing. It's cool. So it does have these sort of two cherry bl- cherry blossom things happening on it, which is cool. Built both the legs separately. And foolish me thought that you would push the front and the rear of the, the, the lower pelvis together like a normal ball socket. And then the ball sockets for the hips would just lock in place. No, you don't do that. You have to put the back of the pelvis on to the legs, line the legs up with these lugs, these tiny little lugs that are a mil or two long. They're the most ridiculous little things. And then you have to put the front on and line it all up. Now, when I did it the first time, before I put it on the base, it all clicked. So I thought, okay, that's all gone where it should have. And then the legs came nowhere near fitting the base. As in, not in a million years. I would have had to have cut it and mucked around with it. Huh, okay. What I'll do then, I pulled it all apart before the glue could set. Yeah, because... I'll put it to one side, let the glue dry. It's all internal. You're not going to see any of the mess that I made. It's fine. I'll do the upper body. Get the upper body together so that I've only got a couple of pieces to work with. And then I'll glue the legs to the base glue the first of the hips in to make sure it's all vertical, glue the front of the hips in, and then glue the top of the body on, and then go through that process. Sounds reasonable. Build the body. Then, when you're going to put the arms on, you've got these weird little... this little wire frame that attaches to the chest. It sort of looked like the roll cage around certain, like, cars. Like, you know the bull bar on the front of, like, a four-wheel drive? 
Yeah, right. it looked like that on either side of the torso. Like there's a slight gap between the arms. Yeah, it's, the they, they're floating ball sockets. Yeah, so because the arm, the arms don't join to the torso. No, they. <laughs> to the cage thing I was talking about. Yeah, they actually float separate to the torso. It's really hard to describe without actually seeing the model. Like, yeah. And even the photo, like you can actually see it in a couple of the Warhammer community paint jobs, which is good. So go and check that out. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, but once I kind of figured out how that went, you've, again, you've got these tiny little lugs, like microscopic little things, one or two mil, where the, how the arms line up. But because these two thin pieces of plastic are floating, when you push the arm to try and get those lugs to pop in, you bend the, the, the cage. It was actually easier for me just to trim those with a scalpel blade and then sort of just put glue on the socket and just push the arm into place and hold it there for five seconds and it grabbed. Um, other than So I've got now got arms on the model. I've glued the sword on, I've glued the, the shield on. I'd normally for this sort of kit build it in pieces, but after I played with it a bit, I went, no, nah, I'm just going to glue the whole bloody thing together. The backpack with the wings, because it does have these sort of pseudo wing vents and stuff going on, which I really like. The jet pack on the back is so gorgeous. The head's really nice. It's got a lot of samurai vibes going on, particularly with the cherry blossom edition. I thought that it reminded me of uh, the Metal Sonic from Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Sure. I'm not painting it blue. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've kind of now got two halves, the top and the bottom. It's at this point I realise that the ball socket for the top of the torso can't go on until I've got the bottom fully assembled. Okay. I put both the feet onto the rocks and look at it and go, those hips don't line up at all. So I end up trimming off the little lugs on the inside of the hips, messing around with it and getting it vaguely, well, I thought I had it vertical. And I'm 99% sure I do. Uh, it might be a touch off, but it, he stands. And then um, I go to glue the feet on, because at the moment the feet are just kind of sat in the recesses where they, they mm -hmm. sit. And I was going to glue the feet in, and then I thought, oh, I'll just dry run the torso to see if I can twist the torso. Oh, hang on a minute. He was leaning it forward, doesn't, It doesn't it? fit. No, the torso just didn't fit. I Did couldn't he? I couldn't push the top torso down onto the ball socket for where the upper body meets the lower. Wow. The amount of force that I had to exert... I'm, I'm mucking around with it going, if this clicks on, it's not coming off. So I ended up putting glue on it and using brute force soles everything and forcing it on. I heard it click because there's a little lug on the top. I heard that pop as it clicked into place. It's never coming apart. Because it can't. It Like, I knew that because of the shape of the armour, the, the rib, where the rib cage on the armour would be, it kind of wraps under and around the waist. Yeah. So it kind of slips down these notches in the torso until it kind of clicks. So are you meant to glue the torso in two halves onto the hips? No, no, no. So that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, it is it is so finely engineered that I wanted to throw it out the door. It was that <laughs> it difficult was, to build. It was one of the worst modern builds I've ever done. And I've built Titans. <laughs> like it's, it's up there as woeful. But anyway, um, yeah, it was it was suitably annoying. Um, it's a gorgeous model now. It's together. A lot of the character models recently have been just utterly brilliant. This was the worst build, and it was a bit. It reminded me a lot of doing the Votan. You know the exosuits, mm, the um, yeah. Thunderkin. Yeah. The first one of those went together like a dream. 
which was kind of most of this build. Like the backpacks went together, all the, all the individual yeah. pieces went together. The second one of those Thunderkin I built was the, just the Did, biggest yeah, pile of no. garbage. And the third one was somewhere in between. And this is three sprues. This is going to cost the same as a Lord Invocatus, is my guess. Looking at the amount of frames it's ha- it has, it's probably going to be in Australia about at the 105 mark. It's a faction leader, so I'd... Invocatus, Abaddon... Yeah. Gilliman. Um, the Thunderkin have the same sprue size. Hmm. I don't know which of those I'd prefer to build, to be honest, because both of them made me hurt. I haven't built either of those kits, but... The thing for me, though, is... It's not like I'm a newbie to building kits. No. And the first thing that Emma said to me was, did you read the instructions? And oh, look, I, I'll admit I'm guilty of... Once I think I know how it goes together, I built 20-something 8-bound. Yeah, and I stopped paying attention after about the third one because I just went, oh, it's fine. I'll figure it out. And if it's a kit like that, it you can do that. Yeah. But even these seem... Like, I would never have known how to put this together without following the instructions yeah. with the way the art... The floating arms in particular... Whereas with Snickrot, the only reason I looked at the instructions was I went, is there anything weird in terms of the way the body goes together? Because it is in a few weird shapes because of the way they get the undercuts in the plastic. Mm. Other than that, it was fine. Like you glance at it to make sure there's nothing weird going on. Yeah. Same thing I did when I built the Goth Rocker. So, beautiful model, pain in the butt to build. Um, like I said, there's a bun- there's been a bunch of really good character models and... The builds on them have been mostly... Fun. Like, I had problems with Lord Invocatus a little bit, with the rock, because, like, the way his foot pegs into, like, the slanting rock at the front is really brittle. Well, you you just elected to... Accidentally elected to cut that off. Yeah. I, on purpose, cut that off. I only <laughs> cut it off after it just didn't fit in place, and yeah. that's when I decided to cut it off. Whereas, you look at something, and I know that it's not, not a great comparison, Angron just goes he together. He together. Um, he just did. There was a little bit of fiddling around for his waist where the kind yeah, of bits kind of go in, but they all still went in. I made a mistake and didn't put his belt buckle on. I, I just pushed it in and it went click. Yeah, I had the same thing. Yeah. Because I thought, no, it doesn't make sense to put that on now. And I got to the end of it and went, oh, crap. Yep, same. Violence, it worked. Um, which I think Angron would be pleased. Well yeah. Um, the, the new plastic demon prints also was a real frustration for me because I got halfway through building it and then went, oh, the instructions didn't tell me how to put the power armor on. Oh, that's because you have to do a completely different early part of the build to put the power armor on. Despite being a Chaos fanboy, haven't built that kit. I've so. got it sat here on Sprue. Um, I built one. And I've got a second one sat here on Sprue. But yeah, it was... I don't know whether it's the instructions or my expectations. Like, I've been coddled by the modern kits. <laughs> but I'm just there going, why does this not... This should be easy. It is a modern kit, which is the thing. I know, but that's my point. It should be easy. I'm used to dealing with... I mean, you're building your Chaos Warhound at the moment, this, which is from yeah, the earliest eras of Forge World, and that has been more Effort. trials and tribulations for you than any other kit by a significant margin. And I am enjoying the challenge, though. Yeah, but it, with Forge World, you kind of expect it. Yeah, a little bit. I, think I knew with the Warlord, the I knew the torso was going to be an issue, and it took lots of time and effort and resources and thinking about the where the weight's going and the how it all go how the torso go, went together to make it all stay together. And you don't expect to have to deal with that for a little plastic $105 crisis suit. No. Anyway, I do like the style remodel. And they explain it in um, the Farsight book. They actually go through and go, hey, um, the uh, Riptide pilot who's Earthcast 
basically spends all his time tinkering with uh, Farsight's suit to the point where Farsight is now Iron Man. That he's got the AI. He's actually got an, a drone AI, which has got a bit of sass and talks to him and gives him ideas. He's he's Iron Man Mark Forty Seven with Friday. Yeah, that's that's a fair enough in, that's a fair <laughs> enough comparison. <laughs> basically, over the top on knowledge of Iron Man. It, yep. It's about that. Um, you know, she talks about in the novel. because um, we also got a, a preview copy of Arcs of Omen Farsight. Thank you very much, Games Workshop. What's a fun lore in that one? Um, Summoning demons, good one, Farsight. Um, <laughs> he, uh, there's a sequence there where he's talking to the AI in the suit, and the AI is going, "Oh, Commander Brightsword's gotten gotten to the combat first. We don't want him to upstage us, boss. Shall I fire up the?" <laughs> and he's, you're going, "This could be just a scene from a Saturday morning Marvel cartoon." <laughs> so, um, I don't know if I like that because Farsight was always the sort of the warrior cast, the sam, the noble. He was the traditionalist. He was the samurai. And he was directly contrasting with the expansion of the Tower. It was literally um, the the samurai versus modern Japan, sort of the technology change that happened mm. through that era, um, where the samurai cast slowly got phased out. And he wanted, and that's what it all reminded me of. So having him talking to this AI in his suit, I was kind of going, oh, please don't grow a moustache or a goatee. And. <laughs> <laughs> and start wearing like see-through blue glasses and <laughs> become a space Big, hipster. Oh, look! If he if he gets a, a friendly green salamander space marine joining <laughs> him, like I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Although I did consider painting him in red and gold just as a, a nod to <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> um, and now that we've seen the preview for Arcs of Moment Five, the Lion, I'm going to have it on record. I actually said to Lachlan before we got a copy of the fourth book we'd seen Vashtor um I said to Lachlan I reckon book five's the lion uh, book four's the lion and I said no it's gonna be Farsight and then we were both right yeah well I think I said the last I think I said the last book not the next book because at the time we only knew there were four I said the next book was gonna be Uh, and I said the last book was gonna be the lion and you went no no it's gonna be Farsight so we were both we were both right (laughs) so I'm um, counting this as a win yep uh, and since we are onto the lion, that model is sensational. It looks. So, I've heard people say they don't like the pose. I disagree. It, everything on it looks so good. He is. He is literally the epitome of the Emperor's Champion, which is the the lion was the first Primarch created. He was the template from which the other Primarchs came. Yeah, he he is the the first. He is the one. He is coming for you. He is. The like he's the the knight personified in that. I heard someone say, but wasn't Horus the first Primarch? No, Horus was the first found. Not yes, the first Primarch. So the first Legion, the Dark Angels, yeah. was because the Primarch was the first. So he was created, and his genetic material was used to create the first Legion. So great model. I love the fact you're getting multiple head options. I don't see anyone using um, the helmet with the hood. I thought that looked kind of cool. It looks cool, but. If you're going to go with the helmet, you go with the Dark Angel helmet. Yeah, I, did, I, I got a bit of that. And if you're going to go unhelmeted... That, the helmet with the hood looks... The, the, the unhelmeted with the hood, the hood, hood looks okay, but I feel like you lose... It's too... He's not in a big robe or anything. Like it's You look at him, and that sort of cowl would work if he's about to throw off a giant cloak and reveal his armor and go, 
a Saturday morning cartoon. Ha, you thought I'm an old man walking down the street, but in fact I am the lion. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Instead, he's already there in full armor with the Emperor's Emperor shield. shield and like this big <laughs> whack off sword. So I feel like the hoods lose something for me there. So I like the look because it's the Dark Angels, the hooded, prowling. Yeah. I can't think of a word. I, I still don't know whether I'd go hooded, uh, with, whether I'd go helmeted or bareheaded. I just don't know. Those sorts of characters lend themselves to wanting to be beheaded, bareheaded, mm. but I think I'd have to go helmet, just because. He's the knight, and the the thing about the lion is he's never had a um, a personality for the masses. No, he's always been calculated and sort of m- m- clinical, and he's not a people person. I don't think that any of the primarchs were really people. Persons. No, but the lion was loyal, and he killed his chief chaplain one day for pissing him off that on the bridge stupid. is it well, it that was, was bad writing that was bad. that was bad writing <laughs> but Cause uh, that's the whole job of a chaplain to disagree with him yeah yeah um that was stupid yes it was i still think i go with the helmet as much as it had pain me i think i think i'd go with the helmet i really like painting faces so you know the you know the part i like about that kit more than anything else his backpack I didn't see the backpack. Didn't though. you? Because he's got these little wings oh, that wrap yeah, okay. over the engine. Vent. It's, it's, yeah, that bit. I didn't see it. It's like he's got wings, but like they're wrapped behind him mm-hmm. rather than being sort of like spread out. And, like Gilliman's? Yeah. Or, um, even I'm thinking about things like the Bloodthirster and the Heresy Sanguinius, where they're, and even Korax from the Heresy, where they've all got the wings outstretched. It's almost, it's almost like he's a fallen angel. So I really like some of the references and the iconography on him. So, the Emperor's shield looks cool too. Yeah, I like that it's in red and gold to contrast the sort of. They can give Ferris Manus the Emperor's helmet. No, they can't. <laughs> He's missing the key thing you need to wear a helmet. Exactly, it fills a gap. <laughs> Better off giving it to Dawn because he's got no hands. So just headbutt things. Yeah, look, we could do that. Who's going to get the Emperor's codpiece? Fulgrim. No. <laughs> oh, Jakarti Khan gets the Emperor's bicycle shorts. <laughs> anyway, um, and we thought that, obviously, with the Commander Dante being leaked, it was like, oh, cool, here's the line, whoop-de-doo. Oh, no, hang on, here's 10th edition. Whoops. Oh, God. Um, I, I heard that the panel, when they were revealing it live, they ended it before the 10th edition reveal and got to the Q&A and people started leaving and then only after they asked about 10th edition did they show the reveal trailer. <laughs> so the people that left just didn't get to see it. <laughs> That's awesome. I, lo- I I will admit Games Workshop have done a great job in the last five plus years of re-engaging at, on the social level and using social media and being connected to their community. They don't always listen, but they've done a great job even when they've done something wrong or something's leaked, they've done a great job of controlling it and being part of it. And Like the James Workshop video when the Votan were too strong. Yeah, but I think they went... That's another whole other argument for another episode, because I think that was a knee-jerk reaction to a couple of key members of the yeah. community rather than actually waiting to see what happened. Because there were no Votan on the weekend that I saw. No, not, um, not any of You only get sort of one or two turning up at events these days. There's none that I saw at Adepticon in the top field. Because they got nerfed into hell. Yeah, there's too many kicks, and the points keep going up, which is bizarre to me. Um, but anyway, 10th edition, the video, absolutely awesome, amazing. I really liked it. I liked Gilliman's whole speech thing. Do you know my favourite part of that episode? 
is the librarian goes, I'm a librarian! And the big floating brain comes over, <laughs> and the librarian puts his shield up, and all of his like runes on his armor flare up and trying to defend him, and then they all just super flash, and then he falls over dead. And you go, <laughs> that dude thought he was king stuff, and then he wasn't. <laughs> I can stop them. Oh, God. Oh, my nose is, my nose is leaking. Oh, that's my brain. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> um. Someone was telling me they thought that the monster that killed the Terminator with the assault cannon was a Shrike, not a Hive Tyrant. I'm more inclined to think it's a Hive Tyrant, given the size and shape of it, and then it tore a Terminator in half. I don't know enough about the Tyranids to differentiate. Shrikes are basically a winged Tyranid warrior, Uh, which I just don't think is big enough for what happened to that Terminator, given the size of the new Terminator model. They are enormous. I love them. They're slightly bigger than the Chaos ones. Yeah. With the trophy racks make up for that, in my opinion. I think, though, that they can afford to have that aesthetic dis- difference a little bit. I also think you're going to see a lot of people take those new modern Terminators and turn them into Chaos Terminators. I, I don't think so. They don't fit in with the rest of the Chaos, I don't think. I would quite happily take the... Depending on... It'll actually depend more on the measurements for the where they've elongated. Because if it's just mm. the torso, if the, le- if the hip height's the same, then using the lower body from a Chaos Terminator... And then grafting in the, like swapping the helmet for the Chaos Terminator, putting on the trophy racks on the body, it'll depend, and then chopping the arms at the elbows, you could actually t- like modernize the Chaos Terminator, which I think the could Chaos look- Terminator is not like. No, they're not old. They're still taller than a Primaris, they're just not as but tall. But I've got five Terminators on Sprue, and I'm trying to decide what to do with them. So, maybe? You don't have an army that uses Terminators. No, bro. well, that, that kind of ties into our. Um, uh, second half of this episode but um, yeah the the video was cool we saw the new data sheets nothing revolutionary there um, I'm a, the only thing I am concerned about is the reveal for the special rule for the gaunts was that they get a free move once a turn that could be a lot to keep track of <sighs> I'm actually yeah well the fact that if you've got 30 40 50 60 gaunts across 5 or 6 units keeping track of which ones have done what action is going to require tokens yeah which is going to quickly go back to second edition, like 40k, where you had tokens everywhere because who had done what with what. And then, I see that with guard tanks, where like there's lots of them to fire the same gun. Yeah, what's fired what. Exactly. And it's easier just to put big tokens down to go, well, that one's fired, that one's fired, that one's fired. One of the regulars down in Bunbury, um, Mark, with his Chaos Knights, used to have a bunch of Chaos tokens down so that when one had fired, he could flip it over to say it had shot. Because he had 13 armages, yeah. uh, th- like the uh, armages, war 13 war, war, dogs. war dog chassis. So he kept track of them that way as to who could fire and, you know, different icons and, you know, all the different rules for them. Yeah. And I, if you, if you have an army where everyone has a separate rule, then it look, removing it down to eight stratagems, it just feels like they've gone back to third edition because all the rules are baked in. Universal special rules are back. They've they've almost come full circle because eighth edition was going back to AP and but we'd removed initiative. Now we're kind of in tenth edition. We're staring down the barrel of tenth edition, and it feels like we've gone. Oh no, we're going to throw some second and some third edition back in here, and we're going to sort of mix it around a bit. I'm optimistic for it. It looks really good. See, I was kind of I was kind of good with ninth edition. I think we could have left it a bit longer before tenth. Look, I. Th- I think Games Workshop are 
certainly listening to everyone and they it's very interesting how quickly the internet forgets when ninth edition dropped three years ago it was it's going to be more streamlined you're going to require less books you're going to have all your rules really simple you're not going to have to worry about this and that and three years in like i only had i had two codexes for the weekend at one point i brought four books to yeah one game. but th- three years ago you're told you wouldn't have to do that yeah. How quickly does the internet forget that everyone's going, oh, it's great, we're going to go back to indexes, it's going to be streamlined, it's going to be this. In three years from now, and I'm saying it now, it's going to be exactly what it is at the end of ninth edition. If you don't think you're buying codexes, you're wrong. If you don't think you're going to be buying multiple codexes to use allies, you're wrong. You're wrong. If you don't think that they're not going to release add-ons and expansions for different factions, you're wrong. They've done it now for basically since 3rd edition onwards because 1st edition didn't have codexes and 2nd edition was, hey, we're going to sell separate books for each army. Hey, these sold really well. Hmm. Let's try different formats until we find the one that people like. Yes, we're going to get day one digital indexes. Yes, we're getting day one digital points. Yes, we're getting digital core rules. We got free core rules for ninth edition for free. Do you know what it was? It was four pages of rules. That they produce as a PDF. Yeah, you can still download them now. You know what? You can play a game with them. Can't play match play with them. Need the GT book. Mm. If you think you're not buying books, the only the only possible answer to that is to them taking Warhammer Plus and going, cool, we're going to make Warhammer Plus worth it. We're going to up the subscription cost. We're going to give you digital access, but we're going to give you proper digital access with proper digital books, not just a bridge stuff and mm. like pay you $20 Australian a month, have access to everything, go nuts. I'd pay it. It's if you pay more if you play more than one army, it's worth it. If you're only if you're a diehard orc player and you only play orcs, it's probably not worth it because it's going to be cheaper to buy the book over the year. Yeah. Between the two of us, we play seventy percent of the factions in some way. We could play seventy percent of the factions like in some way, shape, or form. Xenos, most of Xenos. I've got basically all of Chaos. Yeah. Just and I've Ethereum. got a, well, I've got sisters, I've got grey sisters, knights, I've got dark those, angels. Yeah. You don't actively play the dark. No, angels, but I've though. I've got them. Yeah. That if I wanted to pull them out of the cupboard and play them, I could. Yeah, I've got imperial space marines. Yeah. So we don't have that much. Like I've got a necron army, and yeah, <laughs> it's. I think it's just like gene stealer cult. I've got gene stealer cult. Tyranids. No, I've sold two tyranid armies in my time. Orcs. Uh, we've got the smatter. Like we've got basically. I'm the, working on a boarding We've got a boarding patrol and part of a combat patrol. I think that's about it. Imperial Guard we don't have. Knights and... I've got knights. got knights. I got rid of my admech. Uh, yeah. But we yeah, we probably have 75% of the armies yeah. in some way, shape or form that we could put on the table and play. Um, So for us, like if it was a $20 monthly subscription for everything, sign me up. It'd make total sense. I do like having the books though. Yeah. Look, I've I'm, I've got nine editions of books that are a testament to me liking mm. books. I've got I've got the old chaos books from you because I like looking through them and yeah. like getting inspired from the stuff that's in them. There's nothing wrong with having them, but I get the push for some players who don't care about the law who just want to play the game to have something that's easier to digest. Yeah. I think though that if those players think they're just going to get free digital rules per, for the whole edition they're going to be sorely mistaken. It's either going to be a book or it's going to be a subscription. It's not going to be free for the entire edition. If it is, I will be genuinely surprised. 
but given how much money's involved in those books, I just don't think it's likely. Yeah. I I I genuinely hope that they still have something in books because I I'm a book enjoyer. I I think that there are too many players out there who aren't the quote unquote competitive players for them not to be those books because the people want the lore and the stories and the the like the art and the I wouldn't call myself a competitive player but like I'd say I'm somewhere between like playing competitively and just playing casually and I I love reading the lore and the rules and I think that books are a great way of doing that yeah and to get rid of them all together is I, like I say, I don't think. I think there's just, from a purely financial perspective, there's too much money in it. I, I also Games Workshop knows we will buy them, so they will produce them. I hope that they don't mean they don't make them so it's just like the law books and that there's the rules in there as well, and it's only for people who want to get books. I hope that they do it as like a. If they were smart, they would do the third edition codex and the ninth edition codex. So. I don't know if you've actually seen the third edition one. The third edition ones were super thin. Yeah. They I weren't hardbacked. They were cardboard, but they weren't yeah. properly bound yeah, and they were stapled. They were super thin. They were laminated. Like they were, they were bit, they were stripped down and they were cheap. There was like a few color pages at the front and back. That was there was virtually nothing. Yeah. Um, if they produced Codex Chaos Space Marines, and it was just here's the, the competitive book, which is just the rules. And, and, and they sold it for 20 or 30 bucks in Australia. A collector's book. And then actually didn't limited edition it, just went, here's the definitive edition. Don't call it collector's, call yeah, it... Defi- that's, that's better. Yeah. I would prefer to have the definitive edition than the cut Which has all the art, all of the, the heavy metal. Because I would use that. I would enjoy that more than I would the... And it means that those players who aren't interested in that, who want to play competitively... And throw Crusade in the definitive edition, because no yeah, one yeah. cares about Crusade. No, no, no. Well, no, the Crusade's actually been taken I up. I want to play Crusade. It, the, the problem is that they haven't made it easy to do all the bookkeeping. No. That's the issue with Crusade, is there's so much... And everyone has a different way of playing Crusade, which... Despite the fact it's meant to be a unifying single set of rules. Yeah. Um, I think that if they did that and went, here's your tournament edition, here's your definitive edition, sell the tournament edition at 30 bucks, sell the definitive edition at 80 bucks here in Australia, they'd... That'd help. That'd make everyone happy. That'd work. But I guess we'll see. The only other release I'm not going to talk about the Cities of Sigma or the Bone Reapers or the Seraphim or we uh, weird. Really play Age of Sigma. You know, we're not going to talk about any of that. We are going to talk about Kill Team. Beastman. Gallowfall. Beastman versus Votan. I love Beastman. Um, I thought this was absolutely amazing. I loved it. The fact that Votan are getting a jump pack character. When Chaos Space Marines <laughs> lost their freaking jump pack lords. It's so They've got raptors. Let them so have the good. lords with jump packs. Um, if freaking Harkin World Clamour didn't suck so much, I'd include him. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Votan, it looks like they're doing with the Votan what they did with the Necrons, where you yeah. got a sprue of... I think it's going to be a full squad of 10 hearth, Hearthkin yeah. with an add-on sprue. But they're also throwing in the jump pack character. Yeah. Because the jump pack character uses, from the, I'm 99% sure he's using a different set of legs, and he's obviously got the big jump he's pack. Um, he's also got a different head, which could be from the upgrade frame. It might not be. I'm not sure. Um, it's hard to tell because they didn't really specify in no, life. No. But it does look like 
he's the precursor to a jump pack, a unit. jump pack unit of some kind. Because if they've got a jump pack character, they'll probably get a jump pack unit. Well, in theory, yeah. You never know. <laughs> to be fair, you get Raptors and Warp Talons. Shut up. Uh, yeah, uh, Beastmen, though, um, they're really interesting because you do get this really interesting mix. So there's one which is a bolt pistol chainsword, who I'm assuming is the the, the herd, herd leader or the pack leader, whatever you want to call yeah. it. There's one with a whip and an auto pistol. Um, Shaman, maybe? Both of them are wearing masky things as well. And then you've got a couple with like an axe and a mace... Mason Shield. There's definitely a shaman of some sort. Um, he's got a servo skull strapped to a Chaos Eight Pointer <laughs> Star. One with a bionic arm. There's one that's just got two big mutated talons. Um, one with a gas mask on that's throwing a grenade. I really How like you get them. a gas mask to fit a beastman? Don't I'm not. Question it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the actual box that it comes with in terms of the terrain is actually really good. Um, they've taken some pieces there, like there's a little the little escape pods, the little mini drop pods. They get six of them in the set. They were released in eighth edition as a set of objectives. I've actually got one in the dungeon. I think it might be a new sculpt. It's not. <laughs> I'll show it to you after we. I'll show it to you later. Does that mean that includes six of that sprue? No, I'd say it's just a recut. Like it, I'll show it to you, and you'll go, "Oh, it's the same thing." It's probably a recut for the sprue, and they've used the design. But it's just really funny. I've got, oh, I've got one of those. I've, I know the design you're talking about, but I think like it was done in orange in the box art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that set looks really good, and the, and this is the last one of the current season of Kill Team. I if if I want if I were to do the Beastmen, I'd probably get a box of the Age of Sigma Beastmen, squish them together at the same time with the new ones, because I guarantee you there'll be spare parts. I don't know. It depends on how multi-part these are. I reckon they'll be somewhat multi-part because the last time well the certainly the trader guard, guard they were, were very multi-part yeah um it doesn't really say um what we're what we're gonna get the bionic gnarl scar to the chem tossing tox horn just let me play <laughs> lost in the damned i would love to play lost in the damned but they just don't have it as an option like they've no. now got beastmen trader guard we've got the big possessed cultists and all the cult units the dark commune Traitor Enforcer and Ogren. You've got all of the things you need for Lost in the Damned. Let me play Lost in the Damned. Uh, just play Guardsman. Um, you said that, but it's not the same as just playing Guardsman. Because I don't want to be playing Guard. I want to be playing Chaos. But Lost in the Damned is just such a cool concept. And you don't get the same thing from Guardsman. The pro- I think for 40k, you hit the same problems as you hit... And it's the reason why you don't see mass cultist armies in for Chaos Space Marines at the moment. You see the bare minimum and then you see all the eclectic stuff because to make it worth your time and have those models on the table, your opponent is certainly taking to a tournament going to require a different playstyle. And if you're playing casually with your mates, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, even if your mates are all of the same mindset. Because if you go, oh, I've got three units of 20 cultists and two units of 10 beastmen, which you can do now, Mm. Um, trader guardsmen and all the rest of it and you've got a smattering of chaos marines like a an alpha legion style army and your your opponent is space marines and the rocks up marines would just shred exactly so you, I think it'd have to be done very carefully to give them the support that they would need to make them they work they could do it they could and I think it would it would work differently to guard and it would feel different to guard if they did it right 
I I think saying to be fair, they were they were broken beyond belief at the start of was eighth or ninth. I forget. Legends in ninth, so it must have been eighth. There was a twenty-five point psyker that you could take, and um, there there was a tournament win list that had like seven of them (laughs) because before the rule of not three. Okay, and um. He was he was uh, him and the seven hive tyrants was the other reason that we got the rule of three, um, seven winged hive tyrants in one army. Sure. Anyway, um, this little psyker, if he perilsed, he didn't die. He basically had a fifty fifty shot of either becoming a chaos spawn or a demon prince. Oh, so you were there dr- like tr- trying to get him you to either get a spawn and keep your points or get a demon prince yep. free. Yep. So you were trying to get him to perils because <laughs> they're going free demon princes. <laughs> you you got like a one in six chance of imperilsing. Yeah, well, no, you could. There yeah, was ones or sixes. Yeah, but there was also ways of making imperils more easy. <laughs> so it was good fun. Anyway, um, that could be a fun mechanic if they don't make it fifty. Free free demon prince is never a fun mechanic. <laughs> seven seven half times. I'd find it a fun mechanic. Yeah. Um, well. It kind of ties into a topic which we'll come back to and talk about in a minute because you do get a lot of free Angrons when you play World Eaters. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. When all's done with bashing in some yummy faces, all looks to give me choppers a bit of a rest and tune in to the newest episode of Objective Secured. <laughs> Boss, <laughs> I wonder what Mike's enemies will say this time. Button it up, you gits. You're interfering with me listening of the show. Before I had a couple of teeth, for every time you interrupted me, well, I'd be able to afford me a gargant bar now. Oh, hush ups. This coming back on. Yes, boss. Yes, yes. War is only won when every enemy is dead. A pacified enemy is still an enemy. Angron. Notes towards martial codification. Sometime during the heresy, because he's always angry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the clue's in the name on that one. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk now about an event we both attended on the weekend. Yes. This event is not to be confused with an event held elsewhere in the country called Uprising. Um, <laughs> this was an event that happened and was called Uprising before the event in Adelaide. Uprising is run by Beyond down in Bunbury. Yep. Thank you very much to Matt and the team at Beyond in Bunbury for having us. Mm. It was a great day. It was a lot of fun. The um, For a reference point, for those of you who are listening and aren't in WA, uh, it's about a two-hour drive south of where you and I live yep. um, at 110 k's an hour most of the way down. Mm. Uh, so it's a decent trip. A couple hundred k's down and a couple hundred k's back. Um. We got up and left it. We were in the car by 10 to 6. First game started at 8. Uh, we made good time. It's at an hour and 45, and I think it took us that in the GPS. I always allow an extra 50, and we did have some roadworks, but still wasn't a bad drive. Um, we had Danger Rod join us for the drive down. Yeah. Um, he was playing Chaos Demons, so we're not going to talk about his results because he's not a world eater. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, we'll talk about one of his games because he and I met in round 3. That was what I didn't want to happen with me. I didn't want to have to play you because I just lose. <laughs> well, you, I think you held your own very well against some very good players. Um, so we got down there. We played four rounds, um, two hour and 20 minute rounds. 
I don't know if I wasn't playing World Eaters whether I would have finished all my games. Did you actually finish? I finished every single one of my you games. You finished all your games? With like time to spare each time because I was either... Everything died or all of my guys <laughs> died. There was no in between. Yeah, that's certainly... Um, that's not true. My turns definitely got faster. <laughs> the Eldar game, it like sped up exponentially, but things weren't really dying at a rate and we finished like 10 minutes before the clock, but still with a little bit of time to spare. Uh, look, um, most of my games were finished... You know, Two hours ten, two hours fifteen. Like I never yeah. went to time. Some of them were definitely earlier than others, but um. Oh, my game against sisters, I had an hour because I just killed them all that fast. Because Angra. I do find the fact that you go. We'll get into that. You know, do you have a psychic phase? No. Do you have a shooting phase? No. no. I move. I charge. I fight. I die. I do Ruby. it again. Oh, but um, I also take morale. Uh, I don't. <laughs> because things die. Yeah, I leadership nine. I barely take morale. Yeah, you have to lose four models. You know, you've got to find Berserker. Yeah. Which did happen. And he didn't fail them around. He stuck around. The amount of times that I lost three, um, three eight bound, and then didn't have to take morale. I'm going, if you, if you kill a fourth, I have to take morale, but you didn't. So, or technically, I have to take it. I just can't fail it. Yeah. Uh, so, the four, four games we played were Conversion, Secure Artifacts, Tide of Conviction, and Recover the Relics. So, round three was Hold Two, Hold Three, Hold More. Um, whereas the other three were taken control, so one, two more. Um, well, yes, the first game was 8 o'clock until 8.25. Now, we did start a little bit late, which is why I think we didn't get the 2.25, it was only 2.20, um, which was fine. Like I say, we I know there were games that didn't finish. Looking around the room, there were games that got to turn three. Yeah. I didn't... Yeah, I didn't find that an issue for me. <laughs> it was it was certainly relatively easy to push the game through. Um, let's talk about the lists very quickly. Um, I'll go through mine, you go through yours, yep. and we'll do a bit of a compare and contrast. So, uh, I was running the Disciples of the Red Angel, alternate build for the World Eaters. So that's the one where they can only take demon units? Basically, the, or every unit has to have corn demon or be a land raider. Sure, land because land raiders can carry eight bound. Yeah, that's the real reason. Um, so my list was a Lord on Juggernaut with the Brazen Plate, which gives him plus one save and plus one wound, which I just won't ever bother taking ever again. <laughs> um, so inconsequential, it's not funny. It wasn't worth the CP. Um, too bad there's only three relics to pick from. So <laughs> it's not. I'm not sort of spoiled for choice there. Yeah. Um, one of them has to go on a Demon Prince. Um, which is basically it upgrades his heavy bolter to a flamer, like sure. it's uh, it's okay, but I'm still left looking at it going, eh, I don't know why. Uh, and the other one is what's it called? Uh, skull of Angranant. Which I think you say it's called Skull. You get what uh, you get. <laughs> uh, select one enemy unit that is visible to the bearer until the start of your next command phase. Each time the bearer makes a melee attack against the selected enemy unit, you can reroll the wound roll. But it only works on the bearer. So you're kind of left going, he's not that good. Yeah. So I probably would just ditch the relic on him. Um, he's there for the plus two movement aura. Yeah. And even then, after the first two turns, I didn't really care about it. He was off suiciding and killing important things. Yeah. Um, so he was my HQ choice. I chose Elite for my Arcs of Omen detachment. So I had six Elite choices. Three of those were exalted eight bound, and three of those were eight bound. <laughs> uh, the squads of five, the squads of eight bound were fives. The squads of exalted were threes because that's all I can take. 
Um, two of the squads of Exalted were double chain fist on the champion, whereas the third one had a heavy chain at, chain glaive. Mm-hmm. And then the squads of five, eight bound, two of them were lacerators for the champion, and the third one had a heavy chain glaive. Um, the heavy chain glaive on the Exalted, I probably wouldn't bo- like. It's fine, like the the twelve attacks that it spams out at strength eight, neg three, even though they're only one damage is kind of cool. I don't care about minus one damage. It just delivers a lot of hits. And it was actually really good for clearing things like uh, Necron Warriors or like Chaff. Yeah. It did that really efficiently. Um, it turns out that Blue Horrors really don't enjoy it or Bloodletters. Um, so that worked really well. Um, the squad, the big squad of five that got it also got a Demonic Infusion which is what the Disciples give in lieu of a Warlord trait, because I can't take a Warlord trait. Angron has to be the Warlord. Yeah. Um, so I can choose between ignoring mortal wounds on fours, uh, counting as two models when I'm on an objective, or sixes to wound add one mortal wound in addition to normal damage. So you took the third one. To a cap of six. So I took the third one, because I have a Glaive that gets 12 attacks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that worked surprisingly well. The better against Psychic, you become Red Corsairs or you kill things better. You're going to take the one where you kill things better. Well, Drawn to Power seems like a good choice because all of the 8-bound get obsec. Yeah. But, but, in, but in all honesty, at the end of every one of my games, whether I won or lost, I had no 8-bound. <laughs> they had all died. The one game where they survived, they which was game three against Danger Rod, they were so violent... <laughs> The, they didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance to die in all my other games, win or lose, they basically all died. And holding an objective was never a factor. So I just feel like if they kill things better, I get more chances to kill things before they all die. So <laughs> so uh and then Angron joins them in that detachment. Yeah. Um with his warlord trait. I did pay the CP for his warlord trait. Um which didn't really do too much, if I'm honest. Oh, the rerolls to him, to things around him are nice, and he can just give rerolls to himself. Isn't his warlord trait the no obsec aura? He gets three. No, no, no. That's an well, that, that's not his warlord trait. Oh, that's just on his thing. That's just on his profile. Yeah. Oh, fair enough then. Yeah, the no obsec thing didn't really pay any like didn't really impact me either. I'd still take it because every now and again it will, but yeah. yeah. And then. At one point there, it was going to be extra characters and a Helldrake, and then... And then I bullied him into taking a Bloodthirster. Yes. So we ended up with a Bloodthirster with a Great Axe of corn, um, and the Wound Cap. Um, I forget it's got a proper name, but basically means the Bloodthirster only takes eight, eight wounds. wounds a turn, and ten Bloodletters. And that was my whole army. It's a small army. <laughs> um, the Bloodletters spent just about every game stood on a backfield objective, doing nothing, because they were the cheapest unit in the army to do it with. Yeah. Because you um, take spawn or jackals or anything. No. Um, they did get to fight Necrons in the final game. And in the first game, they all died. Because six death, um, death Shroud dropped in with double flamers. Oh. <laughs> and the, the first three killed the entire unit twice over before the second three ever fired their gauntlets. Um, because they were in range of contagion as well. So they were only T3. Oh. So he was winning on fours and re-rolling ones. And... Every time I played Death Guard, I've forgotten about Contagions, so... Yeah, he, he did... Simon definitely did not. Um, so, yeah, they, they were just there to hold an objective and kind of dissuade you from charging. Um, the Bloodthirster, on the other hand, 
made Angron just work. Because, um, and we'll get to this in a second, but basically it presents a threat overload of such magnitude. You look at it and go, I can kill Angron, but he's going to come back this turn. And there's I can put eight wounds on a Bloodthirster, but there's Angron. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no good answer to that. And what I found a lot of players were doing was just going... Okay, I can't kill. I can't deal with the bloodthirster. I'm just going to ignore it. It's going to kill one thing a turn. Go for it. And it was just allowed to wander around, murdering things. It it died in one. Ironically, the only game it did die in was against Danger Rod, and that was because I suicided it off to try and push some pressure into one corner of the table. Um, otherwise, it was left to its own devices just to murder one thing a turn. Um, your army, though. Yes. So I was running as my HQ. I had a Juggernaut Lord. Yeah. Had the relic, the Berserker Glaive. I believe that's what it's called. Which yeah. is, it buffs the profile and then it gives you sixes. Explode. Explode twice. No, it explodes once and then you get the exploding twice from the. I believe it's explode twice and then you is get extra one from. Oh, I don't know now. I'm gonna have a look at that while we're talking. Keep going. Yeah. Then after that, I had. Oh, no, it is two additional hits. You are correct. Yeah. It's plus two strength, minus three AP, two damage, and sixes explode for two hits. So that makes him strength nine on the charge. Yep. Because he's based strength six or strength five? Strength six. Yeah. Um, neg three, two damage, with exp- and he's eight attacks on the charge. Mm. Um, so he just... Yeah, he, he goes he goes, he goes eight attacks, 13 hits, and you're left going, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> he kills small units like to low-tier characters. Yeah. Comfortably. But he's only T... He's T6, three up, four up with eight eight wounds. Yeah, so he's he's decent. Yeah. Uh, I then had uh, six squads of five Berserkers. Yep. Because I had wanted to bring 30 Berserkers. Each of those squads had an icon and an Eviscerator, just for extra killy bits. Uh, those uh, Eviscerators do work. I had three rhinos to transport them in with two squads of five in each rhino. I had ten eight bound and two squads of five, which were there with the plus two movement from the Juggernaut Lord. And they sort of did the same thing as him, finding a target of like a general area and killing everything in the vicinity if they could. Generally, anything that those eight bound charged in general just, just died. There's very little. The Death Guard absorbed them really well because of the minus one damage. Um, but they also didn't kill them back particularly well. Yeah. It just turned into a slog fest where um, there's a scene in uh, Betrayer where the world leaders charged the line of ultramarines with shields. shields. It felt like that. Where they were cutting through them, but they were also being held back yeah. in equal measure. That, go- that game was a drawn-out slog fight for me in game one, but we'll cover the games in a second. Um, After that, I had three spawn to hold backfield objectives, so yep. 75 points for the three of them in three different squads. I'd probably be taking them in every World Eaters list. Yeah, they're maybe just too some, useful for the backfield. Maybe some Chaos Space Marine lists. I, there's less use for them in Chaos Marines than there is in World Eaters, I think, but they're still a good pick. Uh, well, the good thing with spawn as well is once you've got them, you can use them for any army. Yeah. I also had a unit of Jackals in one of the backfield objectives. Did you actually use them at all? They stood there, got charged by the Yin Khan and died. They did nothing the whole game. I would not take them again. I do think you have to either take more of them or be aggressive, but we'll talk about that in a second as well. Uh, I think that leaves just Angron as the only other thing. It sounds about right. Who had his warlord trait and was there to bully things, mostly. Yeah, he does that really well. So, um, my four games were Death Guard, 
then Space Wolves, then Demons, and then Necrons. What about you? Um, I started off against Sisters. Oh, then you did the Mirror with World Eaters. Yeah, I went to World Eaters second. Then Inari? Third was Inari, and then fifth w- fourth was Tau. Yeah. So we got a good mix of armies between the two of us. There were, I think, five World Eaters in the room. Six World Eaters. One, two. Five. One, two, three. Yeah, the five. Six? Five. five. Doesn't matter. Only getting one mirror out of all of that was good. Mm, I The one guy had to play World Eaters three times. Yeah, I played him. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> And the, the worst thing, four for four. the worst thing, the worst thing for him was that the other game he played was the special player I played, oh, so it was a which was basically anyway. just another world leaders list in a different different color yeah, armor. <laughs> Craig made that comment when we were playing. He's got me and gone. Are you kidding me right now? I've played all the different types of world leaders. Um, so if you didn't see it already, I published the final scores for our games on the Objective Secured page. We both so went two and two. We both went two and two. I finished thirteenth. You finished fourteenth. Um, you pipped me on that one. I was trying to come slightly <laughs> higher than you just for the screenshot. My total was three hundred and forty battle points over the four games. Yours was three fifteen. So both pretty respectable. Like that's like that's in theory. When you look at the scores as well, my two losses could easily have been wins. I think you made a critical pair of mistakes in round two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You could have done anything with round four though. Oh, I. Putting anger on in reserve is what I would have changed. Um, so let's talk about it. Round one, I got Death Guard. I was on the stream table. I'm actually going to see if the stream is available, and I'll link that in the show notes if it is. I believe it is. Um, I was actually playing against the former staff member and TO <laughs> for Beyond. Yeah, you um, were. He's now moved to Perth, so I'm hoping to line up a game with him up in Perth. Playing Death Guard. Um, originally, I looked at the list and went, oh, I could do with that, and then thought about it more and went, oh, minus one damage. I hate Death Guard. Because um, most of my armies damage two, and killing Terminators the two up, four up, T five, with minus one damage, through chip damage sucks. The four up in particular hurts. Um, so it was two squads of three Deshroud, two squads of five Blight Lords, three squads of five Marines, a Rhino, three Plague Burst Crawlers, two Myphitic Haulers, ten Pox Walkers, uh, the Malignant Plague Caster. The the dude with the stench vats. What was he? Uh, the oh, I should no Blightbringer? No, that's the guy with the. He had three characters. Oh, One of them had like a syringe gun. That's the either the plague surgeon or the putrefier. No, it wasn't the plague surgeon. It must be the other one. And then yeah, the one with the vats with the flamer. Oh, he's my favorite Death Guard character. What's his name? I don't know. Foul Blightspawn. That's it. With the revolting stench vats. Yep. Um. The game, I think we finished that uh, 92 to 82. So, really close game. Got all five turns in with 10 minutes to spare. Awesome. Great. Love it. Um, it was the first game I'd played with the army, so it kind of let me feel out what I was doing. Um, I deep struck the Bloodthirster in. In retrospect, I should have just deployed it. Angron having Warp Locust is fun, but... It's it, the amount of pressure that a Bloodthirster would have applied on that table turn one on top of Angron yeah. would have meant that I would have overwhelmed the midfield because I didn't kill everything in the mid-table to turn five. Did you remember that Angron had Warp Locus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good job. He, he died, though. Oh. So I couldn't, I couldn't bring him in with Warp Locus because um, <laughs> that's a thing. Um, Angron took, I think it was 
it wasn't 14. It must have been 12 wounds from the two blight haulers alone. Oof. He sat on six wounds at the end of the first shooting phase. And I'd only lost a couple of pose- uh, a couple of eight bound. And I kind of went, oh, that's okay. And um, I got some good charges off. Five eight bound charge to Plague Burst Crawler failed to kill it. Um, two units of five eight bound charge. The two blight haulers only killed one. Um, Angron charged unit of blight lords killed none and died um because of course he did no though it gets better um when he went in the the blight lords uh, the blood terminators uh, was the flail the flail swung and killed him he's dropped back in with the bloodthirster in tow they have both made anger made an eight inch because i'd popped the plus one charge the bloodthirster made the nine inch charge into those blight lords the bloodthirster swings first kills four of the Blight Lords and the the Flail Man survives. He passes, he saves and survives. And he doesn't choose not to interrupt because he goes, what's the point? Angron swings with his 11 attacks. So you didn't go for the 30? No. In retrospect, I don't know whether that would have been... A, it probably was a better idea at that point in time. But I just decided, you know what? He's going to fail one save. Hitting on twos, wounding on twos... He's gonna fail one, and on it doesn't minimum. Yeah, and my minimum damage is death. It doesn't yeah, matter because it's D three plus, plus three. three. So even at minus one, it doesn't matter. He dies. He lived, and then killed Angron. <laughs> and I've just gone. This little bastard has killed Angron twice now, and survived the attacks from Angron twice, and from a bloodthirster. The next round of combat, the bloodthirster finally pulped him. It took two rounds of combat from Angron and a bloodthirster. <laughs> To kill five Blightlord Terminators. Which kind of sums up the game where the, the, the Death Guard just would not die. I charged Poxwalkers. Ten Poxwalkers with four eight-bound. I killed nine of them and went, that's okay, he'll die to morale. He rolls a one and then respawns most of the unit because of the stratagem. And I have to kill them all. <laughs> and they're, they're sat in the backfield objective. I love Poxwalkers. Um... The the best part of that game was great opponent, lovely dude. We had a really good time. And it was down to that we actually couldn't figure out... Like, we ever said the score beside us, and we knew roughly what was happening, but we were scoring evenly on primary, evenly on secondary. It actually came right down to the wire at the tail end. And because I went second, where I probably wanted to go first in that game, just to put more pressure on in the early part of the game, when I brought Angram back on at the end, it mattered where he landed in turn five and if he made a charge because it would clear the objective which would give me more points and there were a couple of key crucial charges in that turn five which gave me enough points to tip it back in my favour and win because at the start of my turn five going second I was losing I had to make sure I claimed three objectives to push it far enough over on the primary so it was a really good game I really enjoyed it it was a great way to start the event and I only won it by ten it wasn't like it was a like it, it wasn't an easy game for either of us, which was really good. Uh, you went ninety-one points against sisters. You know what the final score was? Uh, it was ninety-one to sixty something. I, I don't remember. It was definitely in the sixties, but I don't remember the exact number. That yeah. game. Uh, should we talk about my game? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about my game. No, no, go for it. Your game too. Round one. So my round one, he puts, um, Morven Val and her. Warsuit the, friends. Yep. Directly in front of Angron. 
on the starting line. In the starting line. So Angron made a turn one charge, killed. For those of you of playing them. at home, Angron has a 16 inch movement, which means that if you start on the 24 inch mark, Angron moves 16 and then has an 8 inch charge. Which he made. I didn't have to re. They all just died. Lord and Vicardus also ran up and didn't. I think. No, he had like an 11 inch charge, but. Well, in theory, he can't charge turn one. You're right. Well, that was turn two, I'm thinking of. He was walking up with the 8 bound. Yeah, I mean, a turn two charge from eight bound and a jugger character is almost inevitable. You just, they catch you. And they move too far. He had two rhino tanks and then the rest was just sister squads with melters and I was lucky to have gone first in that one because otherwise Angron would have taken an army's worth of melter and probably died. It sounds exactly like my turn one. But I went first, so I just charged and stood Angron in the back, blipping between units that were shooting me and he was just killing them. And it was scoring me points, and, and they were standing on objectives, which scored me points. And I was getting blood tithe, which I was spending to score points. And by the end, I had so much blood tithe that I had got like a bunch of buffs that I didn't really need because yeah, I just, just was killing them anyway. That was probably not a good matchup for him, especially because he was assault-focused sisters. Yeah, look, if you have to come and try and punch and fight world, world eaters, eaters, particularly your ones, because you have fight on death, yeah, which is the key difference for us. I get a lot of movement shenanigans. You get fight on death. And I actually felt I felt the loss of fight on death a lot on the weekend. Yeah. But I also got some really sh like shenanigans movement stuff happening, which I really enjoyed, and one of them which would have won me game four, which I forgot. Um, we'll get to that in a second. So you, not a great game for the sisters. Argent Shroud didn't really. They they ignore AP, which is what his sister's thing was. Yeah, which didn't really come into play. Not really, because they were just dying anyway. Well, T3 against Strength 6, you're hitting on 3s, wounding on 2s with Berserkers, with yeah. 5 attacks a model. Yeah, Like, it was... you're just chewing them up at that point. Oh, I've got a 3 plus... Uh, I've reduced your AP by 1. Cool, you're now saving on 4s. He... The, being able to advance and fire the heavy weapons was good for him, because it was killing whole marines with the squad of, like, 5 Melter dudes. Well, he could move and shoot, yeah, without penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And... But other than that, it was... I was a little bit one-sided. But Ephraim Stern was there, so... Oh, that's right. He had Kaiganil and Ephraim Stern, didn't he? She's a, she's one of my favourite models. So it was nice to... Because no one ever uses her. It was nice to play against her. Yeah. Blew the head up of my Lord Invocatus before. She yeah, look, a very common... My Juggernaut Rider led the charge in, managed to box himself out of a charge because I made the mistake of charging with the 8-bound first and he can't move through ruins. I didn't see that she was standing in the corner there, and my Lord Invocatus, not Lord Invocatus, friggin' Juggernaut. Juggernaut, Lord, yep. He was on two wounds, and Ephraim Stern popped his head with a psychic thing. Yeah, her not psychic, psychic thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I had just a malignant playcaster in game one, and I didn't deny a single thing, despite having a strat that let me do it. Oh, I'll get Super. to my deniers when game. Oh, I've, I've game three for me was <laughs> awesome. Same. Um, yeah, look, the the my Jugger character most games didn't survive past turn two or three, despite mine having the extra wound and save over yours. Mm. He generally dragged the eight bound up, charged something, maybe killed some stuff, and then immediately died whenever anything went. Oh, you're annoying! You die now. He lived until like turn three or four in my game. One. No, mine mine died he consistently in the games that I won. Lived until game turn three or four. No, mine died every game on about turn two. <laughs> I was trading him for things. Fair. I I was putting him to things I knew he could kill in one round of combat. So, game two, uh, I ended up with Space Wolves. Uh, I was against World Eaters. Yep. 
We both lost this round. I lost mine 85 to 70. Uh, I scored 60-something against 90-something. Yours was 65. Um, For me, I really... I I really didn't want to go first. And I did. Yep, same. And... I kind of shuffled around, and I and Tom and I have been playing for years. He and I have known each other for the better part of twenty years. We've gone to ETC as part of the Australian team together. We've won tournaments about one and two all through the two thousands. Um, if if there's you know someone who's been around as long as I have in Perth playing games and is easily still an excellent opponent, it's Tom. And despite the fact we haven't played in a long time, generally, if you go through the history of tournaments, I generally beat his Wolves because he plays Wolves consistently. Mm. Um, I made one crucial mistake in this game, which I thought was a sensible move, but it was because I misunderstood Thunder Hammers. Oh, you thought they were too I thought they were too damaged like my Votan no, ones. They, they are three damage. Kill possessed. Yep. Uh, so when I... I basically ended up with, um, if I'd positioned better, he would have only killed, he basically had a unit of Thunderwolf Cavalry come in. And if I'd positioned it better, he only kills five instead of ten. And then I charge with my five, which also leaves my Bloodletters alive another turn, which scores me more primary. Um, I basically spent, uh, what was funny about that game, he has 40 Melter shots a turn in that army. And 16 grav shot, heavy grav shots. It's a lot of fire pack. And then he still has two Thunderwolf packs and Wolfen and a, a Wolf Lord and Thunderwolf and a Chaplain Biker. And like there's a lot going on. And they came in, they killed 10 8 bound. Um, I only lost four 8 bound to all the melt shots and the grav. I don't know how. I guess lucky dice, I guess. Yep. They just. I just tanked them I don't really know even the drop pod landed and went I'm going to shoot nine melter gun shots <coughs> excuse me at your eight bound exalted eight bound hmm. killed one I'm going to use the signum and shoot again with my ballistic skill two one with my armored cherub didn't kill anything okay that was 11 multi melter shots four of which hit on twos and you killed one eight bound Hitting on threes, wounding on threes, me saving on fours. Something's not right there. Hmm. But I tanked it. And it meant when my turn two happened, I brought the Bloodthirster in because it was in reserve. This was the last game it went into reserve. Um, I charged and I killed all of the Devastators, the Wolf Lord, um, all the Thunder, uh, all the Wolfen. I basically cleared the midfield. And we both looked at the table and went, well, this is going to be short because every time we charge, something dies. Um, there were a couple of moments, like I lost Angron, I think, three times this game. Um, but we were generating... Rookie numbers. Oh, look, if he didn't die at least twice in every one of my games, I think I'd be amazed. Um, I think he died three times or maybe even four in this game. Um, it's... The, that, that single moment would have meant that I would have scored more primary because that's where I lost. I lost on primary. Um, yeah, Tom punished me for that mistake. So I can't fault Tom for that. So what do you do? Um, 
I do think that... I don't know that I had a good answer to the Thundercav. I, apart from the damage three Thunderhammers, I dramatically underestimated just how many attacks they get. Because the Wolves get their own attack profile now. I haven't seen... I haven't played them in years. Mm. Um, and the Wolfens still get fight on death for free. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they're only two wins each. Ah. So they just... They died. Like, I killed them wholesale with three eight-bound. But then they killed the entire unit in return. Because of the Thunderhammers. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, despite having 40 Melter Shots a turn, every single, literally every single in the unit had at least one Thunderhammer and one Power Fist in it. Yep. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, really good game though. And I, I, I reckon that if I'd been a bit more cognizant of some of the, like if I'd not messed up the Thunderhammer thing in the placement, I reckon I could have gotten a much closer loss or even snuck a win out of it. It was a really good game. I really enjoyed it. You went on to play Lockie Rigg, who was the eventual winner of the event with his World Eaters. Yes, so I, Lachlan, with World Eaters, played Lockie with World Eaters. Yes. I, unfortunately, had to go first, and he used his pregame move with the Invocatus to move backwards, so Angron couldn't make a turn one charge. And I feel like if I had stood still, rather than trying to go forward a little bit, because that let me be charged... I would have done a bit better because then he would have had to come forward and let me charge in the next turn. But that because of that, I wouldn't have scored any objectives in the turn. You also made one critical mistake twice. The rhinos got wrapped and I couldn't get any dudes out. That hurt. Yeah, you, you literally lost 20 berserkers. That hurt my soul. That I lost and you, 25. And you didn't have any CP to emergency oh, disembark either. Yeah. Not going to do that again in a hurry, are you? No, it <laughs> killed me. That was terrible. No, look, to be fair, you got 65 points against the eventual tournament winner, and Lockie wins a lot of events. He's, yeah, he's... He, he would, in my opinion, arguably, if he's not the number one, he's easily top three in the state. Don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed the game, and I learned not to let my rhinos get wrapped by yeah. eight bounds. You only ever do that once. <laughs> I've done it before. Yeah, I've done it to you. Um, yeah, and, okay, I've done it twice before. <laughs> um, yeah, Lockie went on to win it in the end. He He's not fielding Angron. He's doing the Lord Invocatus plus eight bound. That's not how you're supposed to play the game. <laughs> Four wins in a row says otherwise. Anyway, uh, then we had a lunch break. Uh, game three for me was into Danger Rod's Demons. Which, based on what you've said earlier... It was not good for him. 90-something points to 14? 97-29. 29. 10 of those oh, points 14. were painting. Oh, 14 primary, yeah? Uh, zero primary. Zero primary. Zero primary. What did I get the number 14 from? He he literally scored 19 on secondaries. It's the only game I've ever played they where someone got zero for primary. Sorry, Rich. <laughs> um, it was brutal. Your demons looked cool. I like the white, if you're listening to this. So... He uh, he went to f- he went first. Um, you, you don't really want to go first against World No, you have to move towards them. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd hidden myself and sort of tucked myself in, and you don't want to go second either. He uh, he brought some nurglings out to kind of screen for his Fate Weaver caster thing to come over and do warp ritual. Now, the, I think his secondaries probably hurt him. He had. Um, Rending realities or rippling realities, which is basically, it, no, it's basically spoilers of reality. I don't know. It's it's basically you get a point for each table quarter you control, yeah, and then one for the center. And so he scored three in turn one for it. 
because he had his table quarter, the next table quarter beside him, and the center. Yeah. He took warp ritual. That makes sense. And in theory, it's a sound call because I've only got one CP strat, one and that's denied. Only with the demons. And it's only with a four plus. It has to be within twenty four inches of. You denied all of them, didn't you? Yep. He got four <laughs> points for he got four points for warp ritual when he finally passed it on turn four. But it also meant that I'd killed Bellacor and Bellacor couldn't bail because what he was doing was moving the caster in, casting it, and then, then using Bellacor's power to pull him back out of yep, charge range. Same thing happened with the elder I played. Yep. Um. So I denied it three turns in a row, and then Bellacor he he decided I'll wait. And then used Bellacore to move with the same Zaki power. And then went, oh, he's dead now. And at the time I went, oh, I've, I've got this unit of eight bound. They really need to go over because Bellacore had gone in to try and kill my blood letters. My blood, he was only on four wounds though. Because I'd just beaten the crap out of him with eight bound. And um, he's basically gone, okay, charge the blood letters. And he's only killed like three of them. And I've gone, I really need to go and bail him out. And Richard's going, what do you mean? The fake caster's dead. And I've gone, well, I've got nothing to bail him out with. And he said, you've got two units of eight bound on my side of the board. And I've gone around his side of the board, because I had one unit on an objective, not realizing there were five more yeah. in a building that I hadn't seen in two turns. <laughs> and gone, forgot they were there? Oh, I thought they were dead. They've <laughs> wandered out and murdered the, play, the, the, the fake caster. Um. It basic, basically, the game went that he kind of shuffled forward because he knew he needed those flamers to do work. He also managed made the mistake of thinking the flamers only hit on fours for some reason. And uh. instead of hitting on threes, now each of those flame units only got to fire once. And each of those flame units didn't get to fire Overwatch because of the positioning that I had. And I have a strat that denies it. Um, and each of those flame units got to do it precisely once before they were murdered because it turns out that in combat five eight bound versus six flamers is a very one-sided conversation despite them being three wounds um i i basically sacrificed my bloodthirster to kill the flesh hounds and to hold bellicor and his um his wound cap bloodthirster at bay for a turn so that meant angron could hit the midboard kill the nurglings um, and a few other bits and pieces and push the 8-bound into the mid-board to take the primaries because this was a 2-3 more mission. So I had to push up into the mid-board to get those points on the primary early. And when I got charged by Bellacore and his, um, his Thurstar, I was down to 8 wounds. And I was going, oh, okay, he's dead. That's fine. Survived on 2 wounds. Don't know how, but did. Which was awesome because it meant that Bloodthirster stood there for another whole turn holding those two characters in check. Which meant that Angron could then fly over a ruin, kill the Bloodletters, finish them off. Like it let me snowball one flank so that by the time those two monsters were free, I'd already cleared most of the Flamers, I'd killed all the Bloodletters, and I had so much control of the table that... And I, like, I sacrificed my Jugger character to kill his Exalted Flamer. Because I just went, the Exalted Flamer's giving them plus one to wound. He dies. If it costs me my 125-point character, I don't care. So, he died. Um, I think the Demons... that Richard's list with Flamers eats Marine Armies. I've seen it do it firsthand. 
But when you put them in a position where they can't get the shots off with reliable rates, if you can catch them, they just... But then, see, when I played them with Votan, I couldn't catch them because they moved 12 with Fly. But when you move 9 and still charge, mm. you just can't escape the 8-bound. And um, that was what happened. So I tabled him turn 5? Yeah, I think it was turn 5. Um, it was brutal. And I give him full credit for grinning and bearing it for the 5 turns because it got bad real quick. Like just hand over fist losing units to the 8-bound and not being able to corral them and control them. Actually, I didn't kill the Bloodthirster because I don't have an answer for an 8-wound cap model when I only do damage in one face. Huh. Um, I charged him with Angron, did 8... Like, I, hit, I charged him with Angron, did the Super Smash, and he went, oh, I've got Feel No Pain as well. And I went, cool, roll your... Uh, roll your saves. And he took, like, five, he failed five saves. And I've gone, cool. So, 5d3 plus 15. Yeah. Take 20... So it was, like, 23 Feel No Pains. Capped at 8. And he went, I'll just take eight. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just, just take eight. And I think I left him on eight wounds. Um, so <laughs> it was just... quiet. It wasn't worth my time. Like, I thought about trying... kill one thing a turn. Even then, like, I was making him deal with Angron. Mm. And it just meant my eight bound were able to just wander around onto objectives. I had three exalted eight bound that turn one moved onto the farthest objective on my right and did nothing the rest of the game. 135 point unit of Exalted 8 bounce stood there going, we're half of four points because <laughs> it's two, three more. The blood letters are the other half. <laughs> like they said, they stood the entire game there. I actually had two units on their turn one because like a numpty, I forgot I had a home objective and everyone walked off of it turn one. <laughs> and we went to the midfield objectives and I've looked down and gone, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> So I held, I still held three objectives, but it was going, oh, I'm going to have to walk someone back there for turn for turn two. So a unit of Exalted 8-bound walked, walked back and stood there for three turns. <laughs> that is dumb. Yeah, it was very stupid. Um, yeah, that was that was a, a a pretty rough game for Rich. I didn't max it. It was only 86. Um, partly because the biggest problem I had is I was killing him off of objectives. I only got six points for Bathed in Blood the entire game. Uh, and I only, I think I only got ten for um, Blood for the Blood God because I was hitting that four cap because, you know, you can score four points a turn with it. Yeah. I was hitting that four cap. So, like, I got four, four, two, nothing. I just... Because I killed... I overkilled more than four every turn. Um, so I actually only got 86 points for that game. <laughs> um, but it was 86 to 29. So it was pretty rough for him. Uh, round three, you played the Inari. I did. This is your biggest win of the event, 97 points. So what did you drop points on? It was... It was it primary? It, it was, can't have I been primary. primary. I was going to say, it can't have been primary. So which one of the secondaries? Because I just took the three World Leaders ones the whole weekend. Kill things on objectives. Because things weren't the standing the on objectives. Bathed, well, bathed in them. blood, yeah. I, it's not called bathed in blood. It's called no, something it's else. But blood it's... Gods it, Blood God's Dew. Blood God's Dew. It should have been called Bathed in Blood. Because you bathed the injectors in blood. That's yeah. like the description of it. Yeah. Anyhow, that game went well for me. I love the fact that Richard played it in game one. 
I played it. And you played it in game three. And we talked about it in the car on the way down. And I'm going, just ignore the you just ignore the incarn. You're that's, not gonna not I gonna ca- use Angron to bait it to where I wanted it to be. Well, that's true. Um, Away from all the things that I needed to survive. Yeah. Look, you must have done a good job because I walked past the table a couple of times looking at the score, just trying to work out roughly what was going on. Mm. And I was going, I, th- I think you went on primary. Looking at the score, because you'd gone turn two and three were 12 and 12. Yeah. And his were like four and zero. He scored four zero zero eight. I think, was his primary. And I scored 12, 12, 12, zero. Yeah. Um, 12, 12, 12, four, I think. It doesn't matter. Like I was walking past going, I think you've got that in the bag. Um. That Inari, it has the army hasn't aged well, um. And Michael's Michael Bevan's the guy who was who was playing it. He's Lovely he's been playing it a while now, and he knows what he's doing. Um, I think it, it's it, the, the book is showing its age a little bit with World Eaters mm. because it just doesn't have an answer. Like it, it like the Incarn is good, but the Incarn and the Incarn can technically be everywhere, but it can only fight once. Yeah. And like I said to you, if five berserkers pretty much charging anything in his army just kills it. Everything having fights first was interesting because all the aspect warriors fighting first, yeah. that hurt a little bit. Well, it, it just becomes an alternating f- mm. charge phase, so basically. I, I had to figure out where were the best points. Yeah, where, where, was, where do I want to fight? For? What's the most important fight? Usually it wasn't Angron. No, because you don't care about Angron. Because he died and came back like four yeah. times who, and again, who cares time to bait the Yinkan. yeah who cares I don't care he can come back he'll come back because there's did. enough things that don't he consistently did I basically I don't know about you but my blood tithe was as soon as I hit six I would look at the table and go Am, if Angron dies now I'm going to get two more generally I got two more sometimes it was only one depending on what else had died but I basically in my head went am I going to have six in a yeah. f- at, at the end of I a phase, calculating it, I was like, "Oh, can you pop that tank, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice." <laughs> I'm, I'm sat there going, "Okay, Angron dies. No monsters have died. That's going to get me two. I need one more blood tithe point. Where is that going to come from?" And it always showed up somewhere, didn't it? And as soon as I knew where it was going to come from, even if I didn't already have it, if I was looking at it going, "Oh, I'm going to fight there. I'll interrupt. I've got CP. I'll interrupt. I'll kill that. That'll give me a blood tithe." And it'll bathe that in blood. And it'll get me a blood yeah. for the blood yeah. god. Yeah. So that's a good spend of CP. Then I'm going to have seven blood tithe. Which means that if Angron dies in the fight phase, then in the morale phase, because it's the end of any phase you use the uh, mm-hmm. the blood tithe, I got to my opponents, I got to the end of my command phase and used the blood tithe because one turn I forgot. And went, I'm going to use this to resurrect Angron. Oh, it's my movement phase. Guess I'm going to put him back on now. <laughs> um... Yeah, if I knew that I could have six in my hand, then I was burning plus one charge. Um, I did exploding sixes in the Space Wolf game. The last turn, I had this blood tide left over, and I went to Tom. Angron had been charged, and he'd survived on two wounds. The, th- the Thundercavid whiffed. Mm. And I've gone, oh, you know what? I'm, I went second. I've got, he can't die now. Or if he does die now, it's not relevant. Who cares? Uh, I'm going to pop exploding sixes. And then I've gone... Hey, look, I've only got eight attacks. I did get charged, so so I've got nine attacks, and then proceeded to roll like four sixes out of my nine attacks. And this Thunderwolf squad just went... And just all died. (laughs) Yeah, all just melted, and it was like, oh, that was cool. Uh, That bathes that in blood. It gives me a blood for the blood god. (laughs) And it scored me four victory points because I held the middle objective, and yada, yada, yada. Anyway. um, The rhinos survived pretty well, or the dudes inside did. 
They got charged by the Harlequins, and then they didn't pile into the Berserkers that came out, which was just a mistake on the Harlequins part. Well, no, if he had of, though, then you would have gone to fight in his turn. But I got to charge them anyway, so I don't think charging them with the Harlequins was the best. Like, charging the Rhinos with the Harlequins. See, the, so the Elder have always been in a weird spot when it came to dealing with Space Marine vehicles, because their weapons were always really good, but they were also very... Um, average is the word that keeps coming to mind. I know that sounds really weird, but it ought to have this weird gap in their weapon profiles where it goes from, we kill anti-infantry to, oh my God, we have nukes. Mm. There's nothing in between. And so you put it, you're often when you're trying to kill light vehicles, you're over-dedicating. And the points attached to those that over-dedication is even higher. So Michael's list didn't include any tanks. And... That meant that for him to kill vehicles, and don't get me wrong, vehicles aren't that common, and maybe that was part of the issue, is that dealing with that sort of model is actually quite awkward for an Elder Army unless you spec something in to have up your sleeve. But a lot of the time, Elder units are so specialised, if you do take yeah. something that specs that way, you're left with a 170-point tank that is killing one model a turn. So you, you do... I understand the struggle for him. I totally get that. And he probably relies on the Incarn doing a lot of that lifting. The problem is that with the Incarn killing rhinos, is he then dies. Hmm. Because 10 berserkers get out, that Incarn is having a bad day. The Incarn didn't die the entire game. No, but it would have. It would have, but... So, um, game four. Now, we both lost this one. Yep. You went 62 points. Yep, so not terrible, not great. Now, who, this was against um, Adam Batista, who was playing Tau. Tau. I feel like my game was somewhat self-explanatory. We were long ways, like long way table deployment, so... Edge yeah, this edge. was this was hammer and anvil deployment. I couldn't run there fast enough. I got Just second turn, Angron died immediately. My rhinos got... Well, he had three railguns or two? Three. Three, yeah. Angron took the first one, died to the second one. I popped the rhino. All of the dudes inside the rhino died. Yeah, I don't actually know what else you could have done. That uh, you have to be very careful with obscuring at that point. Angron, there was no obscure. There was no terrain that could have obscured Angron. No, I mean Angron was always going to die, but him dying is a kind of a blessing because then you're deep striking nine away and charging something. Yeah. Um. But, but it, without plus one to charge from the blood tide, it's a bit harder. Oh, no, absolutely. It's not a guarantee, but you can afford to at least give it a whirl in that game. Mm. That was always a bad game for you. And Adam, Adam's the ninth player on the WAATC team, and he knows what he's doing, and he was trying a list for that event. So Yeah, he was, he was a great sport about beating me into the ground. <laughs> Look, to be fair, I did go over to him and said, Adam, I love you, but you're going to lose. And he went, ha, 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 why? And I said, because you're about to play my son. And if you want to stay as part of the ATC team, <laughs> since I am the, the state representative, you need to be nice. And he's gone, you're joking, right? And I've looked at him and gone, do I look like I'm joking? He's just, he I can't tell. tell. You were serious. <laughs> In case you can't tell, he's not serious. No, I wasn't serious. But um, yeah, Adam's a good dude. So um, I knew we were going to have a good game. But it, it was I, as soon as I saw you pulled out, I just went, oh. <laughs> no, I'm going to lose. That being said, I pulled Krons and I, I pulled again, I would argue, one of the top three players in WA and went, oh, this is going to be really bad. Um, I lost. I scored 92 points and lost. <laughs> um, what was it, a three-point difference? Yeah, 92 to 95. Oh, damn. 
Um, the worst part for me is after the game, I figured out how I could have won. Yep, and it was just... Them to move the yeah, it was just tiredness yep. that I, I messed it up. Um, I don't think there was much I could have done for my last game, but... I... Um, Craig was very clever because he just looked at the blood... Because th- I deployed the Bloodthirster in games three and four. Yeah. And I put it right beside Angron on my left flank on this one. And he went first, which was perfect for me because I've gone... All your secondaries need you to come to me because he'd picked the ones... Yep. He needed to get um, an action on the four mid-board objectives. And I'm going, please come towards me. That's that's perfect. And then Craig's dice decided to take a giant steaming turd on my plans. And with when, advances? No, no. Two eight-bound. Normal eight-bound. Okay. Because um, I lost three to shooting. And then I popped their free move stratagem. Yep. And all of a sudden, in his turn one, they've moved 11 inches forward. <laughs> and he's left going, oh... So on my turn one, they've made a... And he's disembarked to do actions at this point. So you go to kill the warriors? So I've charged 10 warriors with two... It was only two eight bound. But I'm going, I'm going to kill this squad. I killed seven. Ugh. He's then gone, 7d6, reanimate. They Six of them stood yeah. back up. And I've just gone, huh? What? They've then beaten to death one of the eight bound. And then in his turn, the ghost has gone, I'm going to resurrect the one that was dead. Well, freaking... Mm. That 1-8 band did go on to kill three wraiths before he died. <laughs> sure. He resurrected two of them in the same. Uh... I'm just going like, what the hell is this? You were Nine dice and you rolled... Fuck, like, you, you passed six of nine five-ups. What the hell is this? He did it the whole... He's only got 15 wraiths in the army. I reckon I killed about 18. And he still had wraiths on the board at the end of the game. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it just kept coming back. Um... Angron and the Bloodthirster basically went unchecked for three turns, just charging and murdering things. Mm. As he came down my right flank, the demons went up his right flank. We kind of, tr- with him trying to keep as much distance between the giant monsters as possible. Um, I lost Angron twice in that game. I lost Angron every turn. No, I didn't lose him every turn, but I, I lost well, it. He was taking three railguns to the face well, in my game. That, that's different, yeah. Um, the worst part for me was... At the bottom of turn four, uh, sorry, in Craig's turn four, I had five eight bound on his home objective at the opposite end of the board. Um, and he shot them in Necron Warriors and killed a couple. If I'd thought about it and taken a moment to just process what was happening, because we were really close on the score at this point, and 92 to 95 is a testament to that. They were stood in an objective. If I'd used the nine-inch move to pull them off that objective... It sounds counterintuitive, but it didn't matter for the scoring. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't going to score me any points because what he was about to do was charge them with wraiths and wipe them out. Mm. So, either way, you'd be off. So, I was going to lose that objective. If I'd moved them off that objective, moved them a full nine inches, the wraiths couldn't have charged them. And he wouldn't have been on the objective at the end of the charge move. Yeah. Which meant in my turn four, I can then. Move them back, move, charge them. Move them back, charge them fight the wraiths, hopefully kill the wraiths and put more pressure on that end of the board because at that point the Bloodthirster had killed all the Necron Warriors that were there. And if I'd wanted to, the, the Bloodthirster could have gone back. Instead, the Bloodthirster had to go and do, had to deal with those wraiths but he had to deal with them in a different location because they'd gone off to score another point somewhere else. But if I'd been able to keep that pressure on that, that end of the table, it would have given me four more points for primary in the final turn. So oh, yes. it w- it would have changed Craig's plans a little mm. bit. So I can't say I would have won the game for certain. 
Um, but that movement strat is... Ab- I, I missed the fight on death strat a lot. Particularly mm-hmm. within that game with the wraiths. It was just woeful, the amount of things that died to those wraiths. Um, but at the same time, the movement strat, I played it three turns out of five, I think it was. Because it's that good at messing with people's plans where you have five eight bound run forward they lose a model and all of a sudden they're not there they're they've, they've moved through the train they're now got obscuring between you and them and your opponents lined all this stuff up to kill them and they've left going oh now there's four eight bound that are very very angry that i can't shoot and they move nine inches and i can't get away because it's past my movement phase um the amount of times that I popped that strat just to move and muck around with was amazing. Um, that, that last game with Craig was one of the hardest four games I played and the scores are a good testament to that. Um, he maxed primary. I only got 41 for primary. I lost on lost four on primary. He was 10, 15, 15. And I was, I think, 11... Like the the basically, I made up those four points, um, and I only missed it by three. Like I maxed um, uh, pile the skulls because there wasn't a game I didn't max that at. Um, but I was making sure when Craig was killing me, I was still on objectives. <laughs> so it was like I bathe this in blood. Yep. I oh, didn't kill both units in your turn. Oh, I died again. Bathe it in blood again. Um. It was really easy for me to score two or three points every turn for Bathed in Blood against the Necrons because I was just stood on multiple objectives with multiple units dying. So, because you score it in their turn and your turn, and you don't just score it once per objective, but if you've got multiple units dying across multiple turns, you can score two or three in your turn, and then when more of them die in my turn on the same objectives, they score two or three more. Um it was quite interesting to watch where it was like, oh, cool, you killed that unit, bathed in blood, pile the skulls, earn a blood point. Oh, it was a character. There's another blood type point and this and that. And your opponents are they're looking at you going, how are you getting points for me killing you? Mm. Let alone bringing back Angron. Like, I don't want to kill things. Stop it. Stop it. Mm. <laughs> and Yeah, I'm throwing things into combat going, I don't care what happens. And it actually feels very well, Dutri. Yeah. Um, in my game, I was there was this one point where I was just killing the tanks with the railguns. The hammerheads, yeah. With Angron. He whiffed his charge in turn two, so we just stood there and took two railguns to the face and died. He's only got eight wins when he comes back. Yeah. But I kept doing it, and then I realized I only had two blood ties, and I wasn't going to have enough to revive Angron in the next turn, so I would have just it would have just ended the game. So what I did is instead of charging the hammerhead, I charged his army's warlord, which was a character, and it it died, which got me two blood tithe points. Then I played the stratagem for two CP for killing the warlord with my warlord, mm, which, which then gave got you two me more two blood more tithe points. <laughs> and also plus Angron... ones to charge. Yep, which meant that when Angron died, you got the rest of the blood tithe. And... I could bring him back <laughs> and do a seven-inch charge and kill two tanks in one turn. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I still lost, but it was fun to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we both went two and two. 340 for me, 315 for you, and... I think we had 38 players start the event. So to finish 13th and 14th, and when we looked through the results, most of the top of the field, like out of the top 10, 
I think six of them were the ATC team, mm. and then like eleven and twelve were as well. Like it was, it was a pretty like the entire nine of the top twelve were the nine players from the WA ATC team. Yeah. Um. So there were three non-ATC players in there. It was pretty brutal, <laughs> but um. You know, it's a testament to why they're doing what they do. They're very good. They know they and they they were testing armies that weekend, so mm. it was very cool. Um, I'm going to give some final thoughts now on the disciples, and we'll get you to what would you change for your list. We'll do yours first. I know you said you didn't like the jackals. I think that something else good because they didn't do. I didn't do anything with them. So, see, I think that's a mistake for you. I would have been using them really aggressively. I'd be running to like literally running them onto mid-board objectives and stuff, going kill them, get a blood tithe, bathe the objective in blood. You've got your spawn for the backfield. And if you get a charge off with these little guys, they're still baby berserkers. They've still got a good volume of attacks at a decent strength. You can combat drug them once a game. Like, if you'd use them in that manner, like, don't treat them like cultists. I kind of was treating them like cultists. Yeah, and you can't. You have to treat them more like baby berserkers, where you're just going, cool, these guys are going to run forward, move to objectives, always advancing, always advancing. And... Cool, kill them. Bathe, the, bathe that objective in blood. Out of line of sight. Can't shoot me, can't shoot me. Oh, I'm going to charge you. Because they've got like three attacks on the charge at strength four. They're not terrible little guys. And then you've got the, um, the Dishonored in there as well. Like, I think part of it is ten of them, you know, they're kind of, you know, whether you want more bodies or something, I don't know. But... I think part of it's your mindset because you were treating them like cultists, yeah. not not treating them like what they were. Um, other than that, though, look, I'd maybe consider adding more eight bounds, swapping out some berserkers for eight bounds. But I feel like berserkers did good. The berserkers are solid stat pro- stat blocks. The rhinos getting them there with the eight bounds to sort of dictate where. You're putting fire. Do you want to fire at the Rhinos or the Eight Bound or the Angron? I don't think I'd drop Angron. Angron's a weird one because I think one of the things that you want to do with World Eaters, I think the Lord Invocatus for his points cost is, given that it's only, is it 40 points over a Jugger character? He's like a hun- he's 200. No, he's like 160 compared to 120. Really? Yeah, like it's only 40-something points difference. Um, It's 40 or 45 different. It's not much. Um, I feel like my biggest takeaway in terms of that was I'd always take Lord of Akatis. Because... Instead of Angron? No, no, instead of the Jugger character. Even if you're not getting his Wall or Trait. Because you get the better defensive profile, you get the 2 plus save, you get an axe that ignores invulnerables and is a decent combat profile, but you get Fly. Yeah, having him run up a wall. The amount of times that I had that... Because Juggernaut, uh, cavalry don't ignore terrain. It's beasts, swarms, and infantry can move through ruins. Cavalry can't. And the amount of times that the Jugger character is going, oh, I have to go all the way around now. Whereas the Lord Invocatus with Fly just goes over the wall. And I actually think that between that, the ignore involves the extra... The two plus armor save... Even without the Warlord trait, I actually think the 40 points is worth it. 
the fly that fly keep if I could give fly to that jugger character, the most standard juggernaut character, and it went up thirty points, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Because the maneuverability it gives you to keep that aura where you need it without having to worry about move where how you get him there is huge. Maybe swapping out the jackals for like upgrading the Lord to him and then adding two more spawn is maybe how I'd But I feel like the jackals could be interesting. But I just think you have to change your mindset on them. Mm. Um I definitely think if I'm gonna run the Jugger character, I think he's a given. I think you want him or the Lord Invocatus always. If you're running eight bound, even if you're not, the the plus two movement on core units within six is huge. You can affect all six units of your five berserkers on that really easily. Um I just feel like the Lord Invocatus offers enough extra for the points difference that if you can do it, you should. I'm. I think most times I'd say yes, but not every time. I don't see a reason why I wouldn't. If I've got the points, I would do it every time. If I if I can afford to, like I've, my army was only nineteen twenty. I had twenty points left over. I could I physically couldn't spend. I would swap my bloodthirster to Scarbrand. That actually saves me points. Sure. Because the exalted the... upgrade for the wound cap is so high, which would then let me it's like fifty points. Isn't it? I think it's forty or fifty. Yeah, um, and and the um, Scarbrand's only like ten points more than a standard Bloodthirster, so the net result would give me enough points to upgrade the Jugger character to the Lord Invocatus. Maybe throw in some Fleshhounds. No, no, that that's the swap. Like it, it oh. basically swaps swaps in Scarbrand, gives me the Lord Invocatus. And loses the wound cap bloodthirster, and someone said, "Oh, well, the wound cap bloodthirster is way more scary than Scarbrand because Scarbrand doesn't have fly." Yeah, Scarbrand kind of just like wanders over. But to that, you. but that then gives you the warp locus rules from Angron, which become you're, you're then using the warp locus rules to mm. drop him turn two with wherever Angron happens to be, because then he gives Angron's plus one attack because he's in range of Scarbrand because he's corn. Yep. And well, everyone gets plus one attack in range of Scarbrand. Of Scarbrand. Isn't that angry, but that that pops Angron out to forty-two attacks with his sweep on the charge. So he just kills things. It just it whatever's in front of Angron at that point is just dead, um, unless it's a Blight Lord Terminator, apparently. <laughs> um, but it, also that aura on eight bound means that those squads of five yeah. are now like forty attacks for five guys. And that gets horrific really quickly because <laughs> nothing lives through that, particularly not if Angron's giving them rerolls um, or uh, they're in the range of Angron's aura because then it's really stupid. So um, I do think... Oh, that was one thing I did notice with the aura. I, a lot of the time I sat on plus one attack for his aura, but as the games went on, I spent more time in you can't fall back as his aura. Mm. Angron having a you can't fall back from an aura was really helpful in my game against the Eldari. Yep. Because, oh, I'll, I'll fall back with this unit that you tend... No. And it's your turn. So I fight with him first. Do you know what I remembered? I'm no, very I'm very proud of. Yeah. Eight bound have an aura of no fallback. Yeah. Only the exalted. But on a four plus, you can't fall back. And those eight bound, every now and again, you go, oh, and it also, if you perform an action on a four plus, you fail it. Mm. That was actually really useful to me on more than one occasion. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, strategic reserves, 
Uh, I didn't bother. I did for one game. I, get, I did against the Space Wolves. I've never bothered. I, I did because they, they obviously come on one turn, early, turn earlier with the eight bound. I did against the Space Wolves, which put a little bit of pressure on one flank. If I'd had them in the mid-board, it probably would have been better. And it was in that game too that my brain just went, no, I'm not doing that anymore. That might have been helpful in my game against the Tau. Putting their eight bound in reserve. Yeah. Well, that way they're coming on from the long board edges. and Yeah, because Angron would have died and then the tanks would have also died. So I'd be able to get Angron back the next turn and get the plus one to charge. So, so I don't know. I think um, I don't think they're an auto-include set of rules that you use every game. But I do think there's situational usefulness to them. I think people saying that Angron's a waste of time. I don't think he is. I think... I was having this conversation with Lockie online earlier today. And he said, how did your Angron go? And I said, look, I'll be honest. Um, he gives a lot of board control through his presence. If anything else, people are afraid of him because he's Angron. Yeah. He, he's not that hard to kill, but he provides this aura of, if I come within 24 inches of him, I have to very realistically expect that whatever is within 24 inches of him isn't going to have a bad day. Because at that point, it's an, an eight, seven or eight inch charge and things die. And it also means that you can apply pressure to parts of the board where your opponent is forced to try and deal with him. Because the, the one thing I did find with my army was by going threat overload. You're going, here's Angron and a Bloodthirster with a wound cap and here's 20 plus eight bound. Mm. What are you shooting at first? Did I mention everything has an invulnerable save? Everything's three wounds, T5 minimum. Like, you just... It's so overwhelming that very few armies can shoot enough to stop that in any meaningful way. And as soon as you go, I'm going to shoot at Angron, I'm sat there grinning going, go for it, I don't care. Kill Angron. Because by the time I get through my turn and your turn, I'm going to have six blood tithe. He's coming back in my turn and he's starting nine inches away from you and you better hope I don't roll enough high enough for charge. And... Because I don't have many stratagems, I never run out of CP the whole event. I always had at least one kicking around. Mm. And like in one game, I used my I used a reroll in the in my opponent's combat phase. It was my last CP, and then it was my turn. I got a CP back, and like it was, I never felt CP starved. The only game I did was against the um against the other world eaters. Yeah, well, then you're both popping fine on death all the time yeah. and all the rest of and it. And interrupting. Yeah. Um, I never felt CP starved. But I do think that... That was yeah. against Lockie. Yeah. Well, he and I were talking about the Lord Invocatus in particular. He's going, oh, the Invocatus's warlord trait is just so good because you know whether you're going first or second. So then you can step back. Like so you can either get moment. out of range or... And it forces your opponent to deploy differently and deploy further back because they can't afford to have that Lord Invocatus drag two units of eight bound 11 inches up the table and then do a turn of movement and move another 11 inches and be stood two inches from your deployment zone and then charge you. So it'll force them to deploy further back or you know, in, a, in weird angles or in weird sort of shapes and not necessarily in optimized aura ranges and that sort of thing. And I agree with him. And like against you, moving the eight bound back was a really good call for him, strategically speaking. So it forces the way your opponent deploys, but I think Angron does that to some degree as well. 
because I noticed if I put Angron down early on, on a up. flank, it was f everything's going over here as far away as possible. How far does he charge? Oh, not 24? No, he did 20, 26. 28? 20, oh, okay. And you'd see them measuring it going, where's the... The where's the Angron safe zone? Yeah, <laughs> like you know, where, where's the where does the where does the blast wave end? Okay, there, good, right. <laughs> we we can safely stand here and know I won't be charged. And it happened a lot, and particularly in the the early parts of the game where it was like, okay, how how long can I keep him out of combat? Because every turn he's not fighting, he's costing you points. And I said that to Paul, who was also playing World Eaters with Angron. He said, oh, how are you losing Angron all the time? I'm going, he's a trading piece. He goes in, he murders something, he dies. He comes back, he goes in, he murders something, he dies. He's constantly being traded. And he's earning me points every time it happens. And he's going, oh, my Angron doesn't die at all. And I've gone, then you're doing it wrong. He, sh he should be going in to take as much abuse as possible and deliver abuse and to constantly be applying pressure to parts of the board that your opponent thinks are safe. I would drop Angron in really annoying spots just to apply pressure to a part of the board that your opponent then goes, oh my god, now I have to shoot behind me. Now I have to shoot off. Now I have to move away from here because I can't afford for that big flying red monster to move 12 and charge me. It was... He... Is he an auto-take over the Lord Invocatus? No. But I don't I'd... think either of them are auto-takes. Oh, no, I one of them is. Every World Eaters list should run at least one of them. Yeah, but I don't think either one of them is. I think the Invocatus' results are more reliable, but I also think there are going to be games where you just don't have the hitting power. Like, the 8-bound are good, but as soon as you hit something that's toughness 8, like Plague Burst Crawlers, which just... Uh... I killed two. One of them died to anger, and one of them died to the bloodthirster. No, one of them died to you. Three damage chain fists on exalted eight bound with plus one attack from Angron and full rerolls. Oh no, reroll ones. Um, so they were hitting on twos, rerolling ones, winning on threes, and they were two damage because I had a pair of them on the champion. Um, but. I think if you... Like, I actually would love to try my army not as disciples. As just standard... As just World Eaters Legion. Because the list doesn't change. Yeah. You could. It, li it literally doesn't. Like, nothing has to change. I can just run it as World Eaters. You could. But should you? The Obsec 8-bound didn't... Not once did... I ever think, oh, I'm glad they're obsec because they're units of twos and th like threes and fours most of the time. I'm glad I did go units of five. I know Lockie was talking about units of four, and I'm going not five because when you lose one, it you kind of go, yeah, okay, four is still enough to kill most things. But I, part of me goes, oh, if I if I just ditch the bloodthirster and do the swap and make Lord Invocatus in the list. And then make them standard world eaters. You get fight on death. You get mm. a few of those things, and I, I think that could be quite interesting for the army because the plus one damage strat from standard world eaters is the other thing I missed a lot of for eight bound red butchers. Because mm. I think that that would do like four damage chain fists. Yeah, on my exalted would be really handy. 
but then I lose all the movement shenanigans. True. So, I don't know. It's um, it was really interesting to see, and the the fact that our results are so similar. Um. It's sort of a testament to the fact that neither of us had a lot of prep for this event. I finished no. painting anger on a few hours before I went to bed the night before, and when I say finished, I mean battle ready. Um, I finished my army a couple of days before, but I was painting the Bloodthirster because the Bloodthirster he used was mine. Yes, because I couldn't get my hands on a Bloodthirster model in Perth. <laughs> Actually, you know what was funny? I sent those photos to Matt, who was the TO and one of the owners of Bunbury. Because it wasn't an official Bloodthirster. No, it was, uh, it was a third party. And I said, is this going to be okay for a Bloodthirster? He went, yep. I said, yeah, I just can't get one locally. And he said, I've got one down here if you want to come and get it. No, I don't want to drive <laughs> to Bunbury on a Tuesday. <laughs> to get one for <laughs> going Bunbury on to a go Sunday. To go Bunbury, back to Bunbury on a Sunday. Is this going to be okay? Yes, that's fine. Okay. I saw that and I was kind of like, mm, well, I'm, I mean, I'm here. But no, I didn't. So, um, yeah. It, it all worked out in the end. That model, though, is the one that I used is the wingtips were enormous. Yes, it was sorry. so dumb. It could be seen. They go up above all of the buildings. Yeah, it was. It was hide him. just yeah, and it was funny because it took me two games to just kind of go. He's got a wound cap. I don't care anymore. <laughs> he's just he's just going there. Um, because did you try to hide him? Yeah, <laughs> it was just like if I, if I turn him this way, then no. I can <laughs> no. Okay, he's fine. The biggest wings. They're like nine inches tall. Oh, he's enormous. It's ridiculous. Um. He's taller than any Imperial Knight, taller than Magnus. Like, it's ridiculous. He almost didn't fit on my old shelf. No, he's very, very big. But that's okay. Um, yeah, I put him beside Richard's real bloodthirster and went, oh, yours is so tiny and cute. <laughs> Mine's enormous. Um, is it that much bigger? Yeah, it's huge. Stood on, like, crouched down. The head height's about the same. But the bloodthirster's wings are kind of open and wrapped, whereas this guy's are just straight vertical. <laughs> so, um, so what I might do, I reckon we take another quick break, grab a drink, and then we'll wrap up the episode and give some closing thoughts and, um, you know, go from there. Yeah. Back in a sec. After a scrumptious evening of dismemberment and dissection, here, in the bowels of Camorra, I like to unwind for the daybreak with a little objective secured. However, I do loathe these constant segment interruptions. They are such a... So, would we attend Uprising 2024? Absolutely. I really enjoy going to Bunbury, and I have to give I do enjoy the Warhammer road trips, as I call them. they're, They're a lot of fun, and I have to give props to Matt, because Beyond in Bunbury's been around for a few years now. We went down for their first tournament, which was Uprising a few years ago. I've tried to go every year if we can because I just enjoy the the community down there. They've done a a lot in Bunbury to build a good community down there. What year was that? I'd probably say... Was it 2019 or 2020? I think it must have been 2020 because they didn't come... I think they were in the works when we were doing a show in 2019. Um, 
they've built a really good community down there. Really, like all of the guys from Bunbury are awesome. They're always lovely to see, um, and we've got a really good relationship with them when it comes to WATC. And yeah, you know, they're good guys. They're really nice people, guys and girls, I should say. Um, so I love going and visiting them and playing games. Um, so if you want to check them out, they're just uh, beyond. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check them out on Facebook. Um, the next one that's down there is in May, Sunday the 21st of May, which is a week before our Charity Hammer. Mm. It's probably going to be the... I mean, our Charity Hammer is probably going to be the last... Ninth edition Ninth event. edition event. It may even be the first 10th edition event, depending on the releases. Who knows? <laughs> that's going to be cool. Um, I'll just bring my Warhound. Uh, I am seriously considering trying to make it down on Sunday the 21st of May to play at Beyond in uh, in Bunbury. I want to play more World Eaters. Oh, no, if we go, I'm taking World Eaters again. Probably a similar list. I've got a converted Helldrake here that I want to paint. Um, you buy and paint a Bloodthirster? Well... We'll swap uh, armies. I'll buy and paint a Bloodthirster. <laughs> <laughs> Look, on the terms of allies, I know that one of the guys down there, Mark, was running imp- uh, Chaos Knights as the ally. I think it's a mistake with World Eaters. I get the impetus of wanting the firepower. I don't think you need it. No, I don't think you do either. I think adding demons, particularly a bloodthirster, adds a lot of pressure in the same way that... Maybe an abominant, just so you get a psychic. <sighs> For the points, though... That's to put 500 points. Yeah, I can get a bloodthirster with a wound cap and... 10 blood letters for the same price. You do get the mortals from the psychic and the mortals from the Volkite. So if you need mortal wounds... <sighs> the problem is because it's it's applying itself... Like, I think two war dogs is a waste. I just yeah. I don't think you get enough out of the war dogs for the points. If you're going to do war dogs, you're actually better off taking decimators, which meet the keyword requirements for disciples. or yep. Because then you can put the soul burner cannons on them and just dump mortal wounds that way. Um, and they keep the Legion trait and everything else. Um, I think there is a an argument maybe for an Abominant, but I think it's a really hard argument to make. Because and also, I'm not sure if you have to mark it with corn. I don't think you do for Knights. No, you definitely have to for Demons. You definitely have to for Demons. Because um, if you have to mark it with corn, I, there's no point. Ironically, for the Demons, the only way I would drop the Bloodthirster is to run Skull Cannons for Demons. For shooting? So, they're 90 points, not 130, which makes them cheaper for backfield. They don't just stand on an objective at that point. They can actually stand on an objective and shoot, Yeah. which my shooting phase was a plasma gun and an angry bloodthirster yelling at me. That was literally my shooting phase. Yeah. I had two guns. <laughs> it was great. I barely fired the plasma pistol because... I, I, look, I did a couple of times while range. I was in combat. Yeah, um, firing it in combat's not a bad idea. And yelling with... There's nothing quite as satisfying as as killing a plague marine by yelling at it with a bloodthirster. You really skyrimmed that plague yeah. to death. <laughs> yeah, with, with a bloodthirster. It was great. Um, but adding two skull cannons at 180 points, adding Karanak, the flesh hound. Oh, you and your Karanak. You... But he, he fills another role in the disciples list that you want in the same way that the Jugger character does. It's a tradable ballistic missile. You pick a character with Karanak. He does mortal wounds. And you just go, cool, that support character that needs to die is going to die. And if I trade Karanak for that, 
that's actually a successful equation. And that's what I that's what I came up with with the Jugger character. He's actually there for the first turn or two to move the units around. Once the you hit the mid game, sort of bottom of turn two, it doesn't it generally doesn't matter because you've got the the eight bound roughly where you want them to be. You'll get opportunistic benefits mm. from him. At that point, though, he becomes a scud missile where you go, cool, I'm happy to trade him for something else that's more valuable to you because his value to me is only going to drop as the game goes on, as I get less and less core units. Yeah. So he only affects three units in my army because the Exalted 8 band aren't core. So for me, after the first turn or two, he's, expen- he's entirely expendable. And I look at Karanak in the same way. He's this nice little easy-to-hide thing that becomes a, a screening unit, an extra drop. He can do little things. But he becomes that character where you go, oh, I've got my Farseer that's hiding over here. Karanak picks him as the target for the game. And that Farseer spends the whole game running the shit yeah. away, trying to avoid this burning dog that wants to bite its head off. And he'll do it to those support characters. So, you know, Master of Executions in a World Eater list will just murder it alive. <laughs> even, uh, even a Jugger character is going to go, uh, how many mortal wounds? Oh, I don't really want to be here. Um, any, any sort of support character is where Karanak shines. He's not killing Angron. He's not killing Gilliman. He's not killing Abaddon. He's not killing a Phoenix Lord. Any of the wound cap laughs at him. But for those support characters, those psychers, librarians, chaplains... Um, that's where he, I see him fitting. And if I swap that demon around and go two skull cannons, ten blood letters, a unit of flesh hounds, or even two small units of flesh hounds, mm. and Karanak, it adds so much extra board presence. It adds f- like three extra units for me to deploy. Yeah. It lets me cover more of the board. It means that I can bathe more things in blood. It means that I get more blood tithe. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of benefits. I do lose the Bloodthirster, but... You don't really need him and Angron all the time. Look, the the Bash brothers were really good fun to fly around and punch things to death with. And every opponent I played, basically, other than um, other than Rich, basically went, I can't deal with that Bloodthirster. So they just ignored so just, it. It's going to kill a thing in turn, I don't care. And every time it failed a charge, it was, yes, that's one extra turn where it's not killing something. Because it did. Anything it charged just tended to die. Which is what it should do. But I do think that there's an argument where, you know, by putting in those skull cannons, it frees up the eight bound from holding backfield objectives. It means you can be a bit more aggressive. You can actually deep strike the bloodletters at that point and use the warp locus to drop them in forward positions to put more pressure on the midboard. You can even do it with the flesh hounds if you really wanted to. Um, and like I say, you use Karanak in the same way that you use, or that I use the Jugger character. He becomes this little mm. fire and forget homing missile that you go, it's going to go and kill that. It's almost certainly going to do it and it's going to die in the process of doing it. And if it doesn't do that, it's going to draw enough fire because it's annoying enough to kill and it's this little model. There's enough tick boxes there for me. So. Yeah. I think that's something that I want to try. Um, I think I'm going to stick to playing Disciples for the time being. I don't think I'm going to switch to Disciples. 
Oh, you just need more blood letters. Blood, no, not blood letters. Um, berserkers. I would like to run more berserkers. I've got 10 here on Spruce somewhere. What? Why? Huh? Why? I do. Why? <laughs> I need a pass for 8 bound. But. What? <laughs> but I. Th- okay. Uh, that's right, guys. It's, it's not an audio glitch. He's just. No, I'm just buffering in real life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you to Matt and the team at Beyond in Bunbury for having us down. We had a really good weekend. Yeah, there was um, people there that were like helping out to run the store as well, and I had nice conversations with them. One of them was Matt's son, who's about your age. I did have a talk with him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think he said he also played Salamanders. Oh, God, there's more of you. you yeah. They, they, just weird little Salamanders, yeah. Uh, and to those of you who did see, see the post at the end of round three that Lachlan had, was uh, ranked higher than me. I said we just don't count round four. <laughs> I had, do you know, I had a bunch of people saying to me, "You need to let, you need to not go hard and let him beat you in round four I said, "No, nah, he's gonna earn it. One day you're gonna do it. You're gonna." I technically did. We were like, we had like a seven point difference, but my army was painted and his wasn't. That totally counts as a win. At a tournament, one day you're either gonna rank higher than me or beat me at a tournament or both. And I said to everyone who said I should let you, I said, no, he's going to earn it. He's going to do it the hard way. And on that day he does it, I will be there celebrating with you on the achievement. Until then, close but no cigar. (laughs) You're definitely improving. And there were more than a few comments that said the same thing to me. What do you mean? People acknowledging the fact that you're getting better as a player. That's nice to hear. So, yeah, it's exciting. We're going to wrap it up now. Yeah. We've talked a couple of hours of World Eaters. We both enjoyed our weekend. Um, I like the red guys that if, make the things go dead. <laughs> uh, if you've got any questions for either of us about our army lists, which I'll post copies of in the show notes, um, you're more than welcome to message us via uh, the Obsec Facebook page or you can... You've all the usual social media links. You can find us in usual spots. Happy to answer those questions. The Obsec Gamers group on Facebook. Yep. Um... I'm also going to do up some photos of my army because I painted my entire army in two weeks from bare plastic to battle ready. And I had someone say to me, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, you, you work from home. You've got all this spare time. And I said, no, no, I worked my... Like, out of I, two I, weeks, you had like four days when yeah. you weren't working. Yeah, like I worked casually out of the home and those two weeks just happened. Like I did six days in one week and four yeah. in the next. And um, I did... It was... Uh, you know, you did have the afternoons, but yeah, but uh, nothing like I was still. There was one day there, like on Thursday, just gone, where I had the whole day ready. I was going cool. I can paint Angron on Thursday. I'll go to work Friday, and I'll be sorted for Saturday. And then I worked for seven hours from home on Thursday, and I had enough time in the evening to spend three hours and smash out the Jugger character instead. This man painted Angron literally the night of yeah, like, three the night three hours. <laughs> It's and not good. It's it's okay. Spent it's battle like ready. Twenty minutes looking for one paint. Guess where it was on my desk. Yes, God <laughs> damn you. Because I, I ran out of silver paint and I was painting like chaos space marine characters. And I'm like, oh, I'll just borrow that for a minute. I forgot to put it back, and he spent like twenty minutes looking for it. Yeah. I, oh, I was so angry with you. <laughs> I was so not happy. I felt so bad because I was looking for the trim for Angron. Going, you, I know. I, I bought a brand new one to do Angron. I literally bought it yesterday. Where the hell is this friggin' paint? And the little bugger had taken it. Anyway. Um, 
Thank you very much for joining us for this little ramble through Uprising WA 2023. Um, hopefully, if you want to catch us at an event, our next one is War Calls in April. It's a two-day event, which is our qualifier for the OCC 40K Championships. I'll be there playing. You will. I'm going to be TOing you'll play it. against me. Probably um, not, because I'll... It's statistically unlikely. 20, 22nd and 23rd. Oh, hang on. I better get, better get this right because I've just gone, oh, I know what date it is. And then my brain's gone, no, you don't. Go and have a look. Make sure you get um, the right date. 23rd, 24th? I thought it was. Uh, it's the 22nd. I was, right. 22nd and 23rd of April. Yeah. Um, again, link will be in the show notes. Um, I was close. So you can come and check us out there. Um, and then hopefully in May, we can head down to Bunbury again and play Blood Games. Um, I have to have a look and see which ones of them are hold two, hold three, hold more. <laughs> I won the hold two, hold three, hold more. So did I. <laughs> I hate it with my older army. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, yes, thank you for stopping by. Thank you to Games Workshop again for giving us Farsight and Snickrot and Arx of Omen Farsight. Very cool. Was thank you, Games Workshop. Very good. Uh, in the meantime, um, we will catch you in the next episode. Take care. And uh, happy gaming, everyone. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Objective Secured Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can visit our website, objectivesecured.com.au. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook forward slash Objective Secured, or you can email us, obsec at optusnet.com.au. Thanks for listening.